In this episode, I got David Acosta Jr. of Allegiance Defense Solutions. He came in from uh, Texas to pay me a visit. We sat down, had a uh, an in-depth conversation about his background. We, we talked philosophy. We talked self-defense as he, as he defines it and a few other things. Just need to take a couple minutes to thank the sponsors for today's show. Guys, if you're over 30, you're going to want to hear this. Every year after puberty, HGH human growth hormone, the master hormone responsible for workout recovery, performance, metabolism, and even libido starts to decline. Doesn't matter who you are, how you train, or how good you eat, it's happening to all of us all the time. And that's where BioPro Plus comes in. BioPro Plus is the first of its kind non-synthetic alternative to prescription HGH growth hormone treatments. All the benefits of HGH without any of the needles, side effects, or doctor visits. Best part is BioPro Plus works super fast, is easy to use, and is 100% safe. It's been trusted by physicians since 2009, and its benefits can be felt in just days instead of months. So when I asked the BioPro Plus guys what they wanted me to say, that's what they said to say. Here's what else you should know. If you listen to this show, you know I'm very particular about what I put into my body. Over the years, my understanding of the science behind this stuff and other things and having had my own experiences, I needed to know. So the BioPro Plus team sent me a 30-day supply, which included a morning and nighttime liquid formula. I simply hold these under my tongue for about 90 seconds before I swallow it. And right away, the quality of my sleep was better. My libido shot through the roof. Recovery from my workouts was improved, and my overall sense of well-being has been markedly different. And we're talking days, not weeks or months. Bottom line, this was the only change I made in my diet, workouts, and lifestyle during this little personal experiment. And I feel fucking fantastic. All this with no needles, no prescriptions, no weird shit to worry about like when using exogenous hormones or anabolics. If you know, you know. Remember, this stuff is completely legal and totally safe. So if you want to fix the way you perform, look, and feel, go to bioproteintech.com or follow them at bioproteintech. When you get there, use code IRONSIGHTS for 30 bucks off your order. Welcome to Iron Sights After Dark. During my 25 plus years in the fitness industry, I've always been passionate about expanding my physical, mental, and hard skills to be prepared for whatever life might throw at me. From fitness to firearms and beyond, Taking a holistic approach to being prepared has led me on a journey to seek and share both knowledge and skills from expert resources in the civilian, LEO, military, and first responder communities. The mission of this podcast is to help others expand their capabilities and knowledge of preparedness while building strength in the community that shares similar goals and values. So ultimately, we contribute together and grow together. Back in the studio, I got a special visitor today all the way from Texas, Mr. David Acosta Jr., Allegiance Defense Systems, or Solutions, pardon me, Allegiance Defense Solutions. It's all good, man. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, brother. I could not be uh, more excited. I mean, like anytime anybody comes down to see me, uh, I'm honored. But the fact that you made the trip in uh, from Texas today and uh, made that kind of commitment, man, I can't tell you how grateful I am. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure and I appreciate you having me. There was um, an opportunity where, and I just want to put this out there to the people listening. I had had a, had some interaction with you through Instagram over some time, just on some other stuff that had kind of been going going around, and 
you had maybe made a compliment about one of the podcasts that we had had on, and then maybe I'd even asked a question about what you thought about something, and you responded pretty articulately. And then I actually did a, a podcast where I really wanted an opinion. I really wanted like an honest opinion and I, and on the subject matter. And I was like, okay, if there's a guy out there, I'm going to send this to, to get that. And I, and I do this on occasion, but if on this particular subject matter, who am I going to send this question to? And there was no doubt I was going to send it to you. And I immediately got back, uh, Hey man, I'll give it a listen. And, uh, you did. And then that was followed up with, you know what? Uh, I do have some things to say. When can we chat and like on the phone? And so it wasn't like an, this was good. This was bad. Here's my bullet points of what should have been better or could have, you know, that, that was really good. This was a pretty in-depth discussion. And as I got into this discussion, I was like, I have to have David on the show because there's so much richness and, and texture to what we were talking about that I don't think gets talked about or can be really, unless you get them in a format like this right. or, or if you go to like one of your classes. Yeah. So dude, so pumped to have you here. Appreciate it, man. I'm excited to be here. I don't, I, you know, in terms of where we jump in, we've had a few minutes together, but I've really been kind of reserved over the last half hour since we picked you up from the, from the airport. Cause I, I didn't want really want anything to come out until we were here. Cause there's always, <laughs> there's always these nuggets that you drop. I'm like, damn, we should have had that. Cause I think people would have really gained a lot of value from that and, and, and enjoyed it. Um, but to start, uh, I learned a little bit about you on the phone call, but I don't know how many people kind of really know you outside of maybe what they see on Instagram and the things that you put out. Right. And there are some things to this and there's a little bit of history. Obviously everybody's got a little bit. So maybe we could just talk about you dude for a little while and where you come from and how you got to where you're at with, with the business and the company and what you're doing. Right on. Yeah. Too easy. Um, yeah, just, uh, location wise. I, I mean, young dude grew up in the Northeast. All I ever wanted to do as a kid was be a cop. Like, you know, I wanted to fight crime. <laughs> was there a lineage there? No. Okay. Uh, I have a cousin that was a, you know, inner city cop. Uh, but you know, it wasn't a super tight relationship. He really didn't talk much about the job. It was just, I used to love, like as a kid, I always gravitated towards like, you know, the, uh, Schwarzenegger films and the Jean-Claude Van Damme oh, films yeah. and the, uh, you know, you didn't man, all those things. I'd be, I'd question, yeah. I'd question Young men of that time that didn't get drawn yeah. to that even a little bit. I got, I got questions if you, if you didn't think that stuff was cool. Always gravitated towards those things. Like, you know, gravitated towards martial arts. Okay. Uh, always just, it was always, there was always this thing that I was uh, kind of wired by or intrigued by. And, uh, you know, I may, I mean, goodness, my, my dad used to read stories to me as a kid, you know, a lot about King David from the Bible and okay. how much of a warrior he was and the, David killed tens of thousands, right? David's like, a legend. Yeah, David and Goliath, right? And that's obviously where my name comes from, but um, there's always this this thing. Uh, and I got introduced to, you know, I want to say I saw a show as a kid. Um, and it was like, it was a show or a movie and the dude was working like in an undercover capacity. And I'm like, that guy's a, he's a good guy, but he looks like a bad guy. And, uh, you know, he's fighting bad guys or whatever. I don't remember the name of the movie. I don't remember what the movie was in specific. It's like kind of framed, uh, or shattered, like a shattered memory, if you will. Okay. Um, it happened, goodness, I must've been like five, six. And, uh, my older cousins were watching something I wasn't supposed to be watching, but I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so you're getting away with something at the same time. Oh, yeah. mom and dad would have thrown me a whooping yeah. that I got caught watching it. But nonetheless, um, I knew back then it was like, man, I would love to do that. Like that's, you can do that for real. Like mm. that's an actual thing. 
So I just always wanted to be a cop, man. Um, like literally just, it was like, I want to be a crime fighter. I want to be a cop. Uh, I want to go to someplace where I can do those things and save good people. Um, I want to be a good guy. And that was just the way I was wired. I mean, when I was like six and seven, my mom would spank me for tying up my, my little brother. <laughs> like handcuffs, you, know? you mean? Yeah, <laughs> literally like whatever I could find, I was, you know, using some type of cord. He was the bad guy? Yeah. He was, I'd he was the victim. Tie him to the crib. Like, no, he's a bad guy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'd get my little, my little licks for that. But, um, I mean, goodness, I, I think on a post not too long ago, someone was like, hey, when did you realize you wanted to be a cop? And I think I said I was like nine. And my mom called me and corrected me. And she's like, no, you were like six. Oh, no way. She's like, yeah. you were like six Maybe earlier, she's like, I think you were five when you blew a tantrum. I was driving you to the babysitter and uh, you saw a police officer on the side of the road and you're like, mommy, I want to be a policeman kind of thing. And she's like, no, you know, Davy, she calls me Davy. She's like, no, Davy, you're going to go, you're going to be a doctor. Mm. <laughs> and she said, I, I blew a tantrum in the back of the car. Like, I will not, fit, I will like, not be a doctor. <laughs> not a thing. So um, ever since I can remember, that's all really what I wanted to do. Um, everything else even hobbies wise as a kid, like what I liked was geared towards being better at this thing. I got, I got a question about that. So I think that's a, like an identity thing in life as people, especially as young men, we go through that and we're faced with, with things, with challenges. And oftentimes those challenges are the making a, a, a choice that someone centers around good and bad, or let's call it good and evil. May not, I don't want to say so much as evil, but like this is either a good thing for me to do. And this could be a good thing for me to do for other people, or it's a bad thing for me to do for myself, my family, or for other people, whatever else, like there's, there's consequences to this. Um, and those are those learning lessons through life that you're, you're just ultimately you're faced with. And I think how you handle those situations mm. are really who ends up, how that ends up defining you over time. Right. Yeah. I wonder as a kid, like in you deciding, I want to be a good guy. Were there times in your in your young childhood where you were faced with the, I guess, the dark side of, you know, is there a chance here I could go to the dark side or the bad side of this? Um, kind of growing up close to like an inner city. Uh, I had family that grew up like in the inner city. We moved to the outskirts kind of thing. You know, there was family that was incarcerated and okay. dealt with those things. Uh, my parents did a good job of kind of keeping me on lockdown, if you will. Uh, making sure that I, I didn't have those negative influences. Good for them. Um, you know, back then I couldn't, it was like, there there was a bit of resentment as a kid. Like, I want to hang out with my cousins. I want to uh, hang out with this kid. I want to hang out with that kid. Those are my friends, right? Um, and then as you get older and more mature, you realize they were doing everything they could with yeah. their power to kind of steer me in the right direction. Uh, so. You know, you <laughs> hope that kids realize that. And as a parent, you hope that your own child realizes that as they get older, they look back and go, man, thanks mom. Thanks dad. You know, whoever, you know, for not letting me make that choice or for writing me or me, give me the ass whooping when I need the ass whooping for making the wrong choice, whatever it happened to be. For sure. Absolutely. I can, uh, <laughs> I can relate to that for sure. <laughs> so the, so as you're, you're, you're growing up, you're, you're riding, sounds like you're riding a pretty straight line, man. And I mean, does it go straight into like, all right, as you, cause there's, you have to come of age, right. And then there's, there's prerequisites sometimes that you have to have in order to, to become a cop, but was it, was it just full speed ahead? Like junior high, high school police Academy. Yeah, no. So, I mean, uh, to be a cop, you had to be 21. You had to uh, be I got into the Academy at the age of 20. Um, and I had to, uh, you know, turn 21 prior to completing the Academy, which is the case for me. So you had some time to kill. 
Yeah. So uh, like a lot of family businesses. Um, so my uncles, my two uncles were more like older brothers back when I was uh, being raised, but uh, my two uncles, uh, I had framed houses with them like after high school kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Didn't really want to get into the whole college debt thing and not necessarily. It's like, Hey, I know I'm going to go be a cop. Like I don't need a degree in criminal justice to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, why get into debt? Um, was my logic. It's like, I can go learn other man skills. So I worked with my uncles framing houses, did that for a while. I went and worked for NASDAQ for their security company doing like, you know, stuff at the front gate type of thing. Okay. Uh, just buying time to get into the academy, so to say. But uh, yeah, like everything I did as a kid was geared towards- Going all in. That was just it, man. Like I knew, man, I remember being, so like we were having a house built. And in the interim of having this house built, my parents, uh, we moved into my grandparents' house. My grandparents' house was on a pretty bad street. I mean, shootings, Mm. drug dealing, like around the clock. And uh, I remember the backyard, not really a backyard, more like a parking lot, but just all pavement. And uh, I remember seeing the drug dealers next door sitting on the front steps. I remember just, you know, playing basketball and, you know, my little games in the backyard, cowboys and Indians kind of thing, and and watching them go, you know, make a hand-to-hand. Like, I knew something was happening. I didn't know, you know, that wasn't the terminology I knew as a kid. But I remember seeing, like, these things happening. I was like, hmm, like, those guys don't look like good guys. The cops keep rolling up in front of the house and, like, slow rolling. Like, I see the cops get out and shake them down kind of thing. It's like, hmm, I see the cops leave, you know other hand to hand, see the main dude walk to the backyard through the cut through right between the two houses. And I'm watching him. He goes to like, look like a garbage bag, like a little, you know, Mm -hmm. little small, like CVS garbage bag. And, uh, he lifts it, goes on there, kind of like looks over his shoulder, kind of thing, doing, doing this, like, Hey, is anybody watching me? Like he's aware of his environment right now. He's on high alert, so to say. So as a kid, I remember I'm, I'm seeing this. Taking it all in. And I'm like, Hmm, like he doesn't look like, like, that's what I look like when I'm taking candy out of the cookie, you know, <laughs> candy out of the jar when mom right. and dad said not to. Right. And, uh, I remember seeing that and, uh, I'm like, I wonder if that's where the drugs are. You know, like I remember my uncles telling me like, Oh, don't talk to those dudes. They sell drugs. I'm like, what are drugs? They're like, they're chemicals that are really bad. They change your brain. It's like, all right, I'm going to stay away from those things. It's a good place to start. (laughs) So, uh, I remember watching them. Dude goes back to the front yard. I'm like, I'm going to be a good guy. So I ran over like a dummy, jumped the fence quietly, right? Jumped the fence, grabbed the stash. What? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it, it was a, a softball sized bag, right? And just, you know, crack in there. Oh my and God, like, dude. <laughs> $20 size pieces of crack, the size, you know, accumulated to the size of a, a softball. That's awesome. As, you know, for a kid, like, you know, so I, you know, stuff in my shirt, run back over, jump the fence and I throw it in the garbage, like right outside our back door. Um, my mom saw me, I believe from the top window of the house, we were on the third floor, my grandparents' house. And she beat the brakes off me, dude. Oh my <laughs> like, God, what man. are you doing? Like, flipped out, you know, nervous, obviously, for good reason. I didn't know. I was just trying to be a good guy. Um, but that was just, you know, if, if there's a a small glimpse into kind of like, you know, what the mentality was as mm-hmm. a young boy, you know, I don't know how old I was, seven, eight, maybe nine, uh, when that happened. So, yeah, that's uh, like, I, I, I think that pretty much sets the tone. I man. was a true believer, man. Yeah, I get it. I still am. Yeah, wow, what a what a wild, wild, wild story. That could have 
could have wound up a lot worse than a butt whooping from mom. But uh, maybe not, for that matter. I don't know. Yeah. Some, some moms are pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, so was, I mean, so ultimately you go through the academy, you become a cop. Was it everything you expected and wanted it to be? Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. like. You finally live in the dream? Man, I was the, I was the knucklehead, you know, like the young boy. Not the, I, not married, no kids, no real life experience, so to say, right? Like I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't, I lived in my parents' house, you know, at that age. And, uh. I'm like, here, I, I made it. Like, here we go. Like, all in. Like, mm -hmm. all in, all the time. Like, academy starts, you know, like, hey, you're here at 5 a.m. I'd be the dude that was there at 4. Mm. You know, class is done at 7. All right, cool. I'm there till 8. Like, first one there, last one to leave kind of thing. I was just, I, I was completely, for me, and it wasn't like a, you know, obviously you catch flack being that guy. Right, yeah, amongst people, your peers. Yeah, people don't like it when you're that committed. It no. makes them look bad. Right. So, I mean, you, you deal with those things. And that's, I mean, that happens everywhere for everyone that's trying to do any job mm. well. But for me, it was like one of those things I dealt with, but I just didn't care. It was like, it'll be what it is. Like, I'm just going to, like, this is, this is my dream come true right here. So for me, it means nothing. Like, I'm just going to do this well. <laughs> so you've alluded to, alluded to, to parents. Um, you sort of alluded to the Bible, David, where your name came from. Mm -hmm. There's a certain amount of like stoicism that I pick up from you. And there's also a very, there's a, there's a, and this is what I, intrigued me. I think when I, when I first heard you and I go, this guy is very controlled. So that can, that can go a couple different ways. That could go, like, for me, it could be like, this dude's thinking about every single thing, every word that's coming out of his mouth, every action. It's very planned, you know, it's at some level, but it's also, he's also ready. If something that it could be somewhat unexpected happens, I have a contingency for this, I have a contingency for that. And then the other side of that is, is that's just somebody who's constantly watching over their shoulder and almost overvigilant in the sense that, you know, I'm, I'm having to stay calm because I'm ready, like, I'm ready to jump, Right. At, at any point. And so I think there's a double-edged sword there that, that that can be. I just wonder where that came from for you. Um, was it, was it mom and dad that are driving this? Is it the, was it the, was it church? Was it, who influenced this or just, just something that this is just who you are? I, I think all those things are definitely influences. Uh, my mom and dad, super disciplined, uh, you know, I'm a pastor's kid, right? Like both my parents were pastors oh, okay. of church okay. growing up as a kid. So like I grew up in that atmosphere. Gotcha. Um, my uncles, like I said, they're super influential over, you know, my upbringing. Uh, both like super, like they could have been pro athletes if they actually went that route, in my opinion. But in everybody else's opinion, aside from their own. But, um, you know, they were just very disciplined. Uh, my parents are super disciplined. Discipline was a big thing at the house. Um, so that was always kind of there, uh, as far as like the other thing, like I just, I remember as a kid, like I would always vision, like, you know, we, we drive by a house or a building is like, I always wondered like, can I get on top of it? Like, can I get there with nobody seeing me? Um, I don't know. My, my brain just always worked a certain way. I, it's, it's difficult to explain, but I always thought about like, Hey, what if somebody broke into the house or what if this guy tried to grab me? Like I always thought about those things and it, it wasn't like paranoia. I think it was more or less like I was never, I wouldn't consider mm. myself paranoid. Um, that, maybe that's the word I was looking just for. Just aware. Like, yeah. Like yeah. just aware, just, you know, not naive. And I think some of that's like being raised in inner city, like, you know, like you're going to have a, a level of street smarts that, you know, people raised in the, uh, you know, in a rural environment don't have. 
Yeah. I, so I've had this conversation with people that I think, and this is going to come up later, but that maybe don't fully understand and respect the realities of the world that they live in. Uh, and, you know, and as, as an example, I've been, I'll just use this as a, as an example, it's kind of a made up example. If I roll up to a gas station, mm-hmm. I'm sitting at the gas station and I see a guy hanging outside the door of the gas station, and maybe looks a little disheveled, um, <clears throat> pacing, walking, you know, maybe pacing kind of looking a little edgy, yeah. if you will. Uh, my reaction to that is, Hey babe, keep an eye on this guy. Mm-hmm. Just, just, just be aware. Right. Just, just keep an eye on this guy. Some people look at, that is so judgmental of you to look at what could be a homeless person or somebody that well, we, we don't call them that here anymore, by the way. In San Jose, we call them the unhoused, uh, the calling, call, yeah, calling them homeless is derogatory. Apparently, uh, maybe is suffering from some type of psychosis because of the drugs they're on or the drugs they are not on. Maybe it's enhanced by some other illicit substance that they may or may not be using. Right. Um, there's a lot of things there and my judgment comes from my experience. In being accosted, actually being attacked, being seeing other, this play out in that same way for other people. And so people look at me like I'm a bad guy, you know, for being judgmental. But I'm okay being judgmental because it comes with, it's for me, that's awareness of my environment. That doesn't mean I'm going over there to attack the guy. I'm not going to go over and say anything to the guy. Like, I'm not expecting that he's going to do anything. I'm just aware. And so there's this, there is a judgment there. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that at all. And so what you're saying is like these built up experiences, you know, happen. And so it's not a paranoia, right? It is a, Hey, I just know there's potential out there for things to not be so right. This person sort of fits the framework of what that may or may not have looked at, looked like in my personal experiences. So I'm just going to make sure that I make the people around me aware of, you know, that fact, and I'm not going to feel bad about it. It yeah. does. It doesn't, and it, and it, it's not about, you know, I have poor morality you know, in that, and I, that, I think this is going to come up again, but going back to who you are and how you're raised and the, like, I wonder if I could get up on that building without anybody seeing me, how, you know, that kind of thing. And the, <laughs> the stealing, the drugs, the crack from the, from the crack dealers across the street or the house next door and throwing it away. How does that play out in police work? Like how, as you, as you get into the police world and you already kind of say you weren't the favorite around there because you were, sounds like you're probably an overachiever. Uh, that's maybe how I would, uh, I would, um, I would describe that. There's nothing bad about that, but how does that play out as you get into this role and you're dealing with the streets of, you know, the East coast? Yeah. I mean, I mean, having family, friends that, you know, were in the streets and having that exposure, right? Like some, some training, some experiences inferred, right? You, you don't mm-hmm. necessarily live it firsthand. Uh, my dad grew up in you know, like inner city, New York, right? Like high rises, um, tons of experience that was inferred there. Like, Hey, we pay attention to this because that's what these guys do. Mm-hmm. And that's the way they used to do this and used to do that. So as a kid, we always got those, um, kind of messages from my lessons, dad, yeah. right? Those little life lessons that, you know, most people would, I remember there's times when my dad would talk about stuff. My mom would be like, Hey, shh, like, don't, yeah. My dad's like, no, they, Same. Need, they need to know this. Like, Same. We're raising uh, men and, and they need to know this because if they don't know this, this can be used against them. So he was always good with that. Um, you know, movies, like the old, like the movies they do nowadays are not like they used to do back in the day, you know, but um, just as a kid is like, I don't think I knew better. 
necessarily. Like I thought that was like <laughs> real to a degree. Oh, the cinema you mean? Oh yeah. yeah. Like the actual movies, man. Like so much you pick up from there that I think obviously some stuff is total garbage. Yeah. And then other things like you can pick up on. Um, there could know, be some reality cues, to this. You know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, going into it, like, you know, I had, I dude, I can't, like all I ever wanted to do was this. So going into it, it was like, it was never a job, right? Like it was, this is why God put so me on the this planet. This is your destiny. Like God yeah. made me to do this job. That's, mm-hmm. that's why I'm here. That's why I think the way I think. That's why I train the way I train. Like everything has led up to this one thing, mm-hmm. you know? So. Yeah. Okay. So I don't think a lot of people can talk from that type of, like that, that depth. Like. I think people discover this along the way, maybe like I didn't realize it, but I am cut out for this. This is what I'm supposed to be done, doing, but that was whatever it is yeah. in life. But that was after they had to go through all these other experiences. So I don't think a lot of people, you know, can look back on their, on their, their career path or their life or whatever and go, Nope. From the right. moment I could remember, this is exactly what I wanted to do. And this is what I've done. Yeah. So uh, there's a few things that are, that come up through here. So you're in, you're in law enforcement huge martial arts background for you. I'll maybe kind of trans transition into that just way more than me. So for me, it looks like it's huge. Okay. But maybe, can we talk about where that enters into the, into the framework here? Like, was that a part of being a kid or did that happen after becoming a cop? Like what? No, that was as a kid, man. Like my cousins were into it. Um, and I knew like as a man, like if I'm going to go fight bad guys, I gotta learn how to fight. Like, I, so, you know, you're mimicking what you watch on television. And then it happens in the schoolyard and you get punched in the mouth. And you're like, that's not how it happened. <laughs> yeah, on play, TV, right? yeah like, playing karate in the garage is yeah, not the same. Not the, the same. Schoolyard fights. Not the same. I had a, uh, a couple of older cousins. When we play fight, you know, I was the, the young, small one. So I'd get crushed. And uh, it was like that all helped drive uh, the desire. So uh, I'll never forget Matt Jones' karate school um, back in, in <laughs> back on. Uh, yeah. So anyway, my dad, uh, I was like, hey, dad, like, I, I need to learn this. And he's like, no, 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 you'll be fine. Like, it'll be just, just do this other thing. Like, that's fake. Like, just do this. You'll be fine. I was like, dad, I got to learn how to fight. So I remember one day after getting a haircut, he brought me in for a drop-in class. And it was like, you know, I felt like I was, uh, you know, Bruce Leroy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did my first little Taekwondo lesson. Uh, oh, you that, know it all that, now. That in, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that didn't last very long at all. Um, just, just played with my old, you know, my younger cousins and always wanted to do it. Just at the time, the resources, the finances weren't there for the family. So it was just, I was in the backyard kicking trees and being dumb. Um, one of my uncles, right. Uh, he started training Jeet Kune Do. Okay. Um, got introduced to it and we were, I mean, we hung out all the time. I was like more like an older brother than I was an uncle at that point in my life. So, um, he's like, no, 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 no. Like this is Bruce Lee's martial art. And I'm like, the guy like from like that guy, like yeah. the, oh, the Bruce Lee, like yeah. that guy. And he's like, yes. So he's like, that's the movie stuff, but this is the real stuff. And I just remember falling in love with like the, the intent and like the simplicity. And it was like, all right, cool. I got to start doing this. Um, so trained with him as a kid growing up, uh, you know, just in, it's like nothing formal, so to say. Um, but like, that was all I did. So he'd show me something and I, that would, you know, my brother paid the price for it. <laughs> uh, I had a built in, you know, training partner at the house. And, uh, 
once I got old enough to get to uh, a buddy to drive me, um, I started training at a school that was teaching that formally. So uh, a gentleman by the name of Ron Kozakowski runs a school, uh, Practical self uh, Practical Self-Defense Training Center. Um, that's where it all kind of like formally started for me, like formal introduction into Jeet Kune Do, Filipino martial arts, integrated grappling systems, and Inosanto Kali. So, yeah, explain to people what that is. What's Kali? Uh, so Kali is a Filipino martial art, and there's different, um, from my experience, uh, from my understanding, there tends to be like different family names for the different systems, kind of like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, right? Like you've got mm-hmm. Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, you've got this one, you've got that one. Um, so Kali is essentially a Filipino martial art. And there are different names uh, based on different systems, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So uh, got introduced to that. And it was like, once I, once I got formally introduced, it, that was it. It was like, this is the way. That's the, it. The practical martial arts, that being this mixture yes. of the things that you were learning, not just one over the other, one system's better than the other. It's like, how do we take the, the, the best of these systems and put them together to what's more realistic to what you're going to see, not in a sport a, you know, or a, or a tournament or a competition, but what you might see right. in real life. Absorb and, uh, you know, adopt what's useful and just discard what's not, mm-hmm. right? Like if, if you look at like arts as a whole, martial arts, so to say, um, you'll see like for what, at least from my lens, my perspective, my exposure, it's generally a lot of arts are based on specific ranges, right? Like you have, the guys that focus their entire art or system on the ground fighting range. Okay. Right. You have a lot of guys that focus their entire system, their entire art, uh, so to say on that stand up grappling range where they're going to use the earth as, as the weapon, right? Like they're going to, they're going to scoop you so quick and so fast that you're going to, your, your head's going to bounce off the pavement kind of thing. You have guys that just focus on just that. Then you have other arts that focus on just like, fighting inside of a telephone booth, mm-hmm. you know, headbutts, elbows, like short range, not grappling necessarily. Um, and not boxing, right? Like that intermediate range between those two, so to say, it's like that trapping range, headbutts, elbows, um, you know, tying up other guys, limbs and intercepting things so you can deliver strikes. Um, and then you have that next range outside of that, which is generally boxing range where guys just focus on just the, the predominantly striking with their hands, you know, so to say. And then you have like the kicking guys, like those guys just, they build their entire system predominantly around kicks. Yes, there's 10% of this and 10% of that and 10% of the everything else, but like three quarters, if not 80% of the art is built around kicking. Muay Thai. Yeah. yeah. Taekwondo. Yep. Right. Like, so, um, I loved the way it was broken down. Um, you know, in, in kind of like, uh, that's how I was formally introduced, you know, kind of JKD from, from that lens of like, these are the different systems. We're going to take what's practical from each of these styles or a variation of styles within these specific ranges. And then we're going to adopt them to what's practical in use in, in, in actual self-defense. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah. So I, I fell in love with that because it was like everything I had trained or played with prior to is all very heavily, uh, you know, sport and dual based Okay, and, and no introduction of weapons. Uh, then the Filipino side, you start getting introduced to blades and it's like, you know, sticks and blades and my brain. That's like, a whole nother level. Whoa, right? Like this is something entirely different. Changes the range pieces and, or, or what happens within each range. For me, it changed everything in that like, okay, these guys aren't focusing on just, um, a punch or a kick. 
<laughs> right? Or, or uh, uh, some type of lock. Um, these guys, like every time a punch gets come, like, is coming in, right? Like something inbound, that's potentially a blade or potentially a stick. Yeah, this isn't the schoolyard fight anymore. No, it, it changes everything. It changes everything, in my opinion. Um, but I think it made, it, it makes practitioners more capable, right? In that I'm not like, you know, if I, if I screw this up and I get punched, like, okay, maybe depending on how it landed and, you know, what range and what he's wearing, I can get away with it. If that's a blade, like that, that, it doesn't. There's right. very little yeah. room for error there, margin for error, right? Right. So now, like when you're like, as far as reflexes and timing and coordination and rhythm and all those things that are very, um, that translate over to everything else, um, you're going to do that at speed now. Like the speed that a blade or a stick moves is not necessarily the same as, you know, kicks and, and punches. Uh, it, it moves faster and it does a lot more uh, damage. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So I love where you're going with this. This sounds like mixed martial arts with weapons involved. Well, it's real mixed martial right. arts, right? That's like, what I mean. Yeah. Like, so again, there's the, there's the different things. Like I, when I think of martial arts, I, I think of like, there's the art, there's the school, right? Where you go and you sign your kid up for Taekwondo and he goes through, you know, or he or she goes through these different steps. The, the Taekwondo really gets me these days. And I, there's a lot of that, that it's not everywhere. So those people are listening that are going to different schools, there's, there's training Taekwondo to maybe fight in the sport of Taekwondo or tournaments, mm. things like that. And then I also see this other thing, which looks like a racket to me where you pay a certain amount of dollars, which guarantees your kid's going to get belts at certain times, you know, along the way. But my point of that is, is like, there's, there's the school you go, you learning, you're learning things, you're being physical, right? You're, you're building strength, you're building confidence, you're building endurance, you're building self-awareness, you're building, um, fitness. You're also building discipline. There's commitment pieces that, you know, when you go do, those are all really great things. There's nothing wrong with that. And that might be the right thing for certain people at whatever particular time. Then there's maybe the next level to that where it's like, okay, we do this, but part of it is we enter tournaments. We actually do the, the, the sport in a fight format where we're fighting people, not just in our own studio, but outside. Right. And yeah. so there's other things that get piled onto that a little bit. It's more like, okay, well, now there's pride. Now there's trophies. Now there's recognition. Now there's uh, acknowledgement of who's the better studio. And so there's more skin in the game. And there's more on the line, but it's still a sport. Mm. Right? And then maybe you get into, from there, it expands a little bit and you can get into, if you're really good, maybe get into some type of prize fighting where it's more than a trophy. There's actually some money involved or something like that. Yeah. And then it stops. Then there's really nothing beyond that until you move to the next level, which is like, okay, now, how does that get, how, how do you now use what you're doing in your sport against a guy in this other sport who's reached the pinnacle of prize fighting in his own sport. And now we're going to get into say the octagon, which I think a lot of people can, can relate to because now you're going to be faced with a lot of things, you know, yeah. where in Taekwondo you, you weren't tying up, right? So to, you know, there were no submissions. There wasn't any of that stuff that was going on. There it was purely strikes and points. Right now, now things have escalated. And so you saw this, um, this evolution of how training was being delivered. And again, the mixed martial arts, but then there's this whole other thing that, that, you know, people from that world, if they're coming from that world, they're trying to teach people say self-defense, right. As it relates to the sport or the sport of martial arts. And there's a lot of value in there, but how does it, how do you apply that when you start adding things like escalating it to the next level, which would be weapons and, or the fact that somebody else in their mind depending on what the, why the fight has started or why the altercation or the, the tie, the, let's just say the entanglement has happened in the first place. 
Because if it involves somebody maybe losing their life or being able to get down, you know, go down the path of buying drugs, getting money, paying the rent, whatever else, stealing somebody's car and anything else, I guess what I'm trying to get to is, is like, you've just taken it to a whole nother level and you've, you've added in a lot of other elements yeah. that you couldn't ever get from these other things. And what I hear you talking about is getting into, this was introduced to you right up front. Like you didn't learn one thing, then learn another, then pile it on, add it on to the next thing. And then like, oh, now we're going to talk about what really happens out there. You went straight into, this is what really happens out there. The the way Guru Ron, uh, you know, introduced it to us was like the sports stuff. We will do that uh, as a, as isolated tasks. We'll focus on just the boxing Well, in boxing class. And we'll focus on just the grappling in grappling class. And we'll focus on the Muay Thai stuff in the Muay Thai portion. Like he, we'll focus on trapping when it's time to do that. Right. Like, so he would isolate the specific ranges, so to say, and the technical skill for those individual ranges. But then that makes sense. Then yeah. we're always putting it all together, mm-hmm. right? And now how do we put all that? How do you go from one range to another seamlessly? How do you transition from kickboxing to boxing, to trapping, to stand up grappling, to now ground fighting, to disengaging, getting back into, you know? So like that was the way it was done for us. That was the way that he introduced it to us. And it was always done from the lens and context of a, of a, a fight for your life. Like this is an actual fight. Like this is not in a, a sporting match. Like we'll talk about that specifically and we'll make, we'll downgrade, right? What we'll do is when it's time to play the sport game, we'll add the rules, mm-hmm. but we're going to start without that. So at the onset, it wasn't taught with the rules. At the onset, it was biting, eye gouging, right? Hair pulling. Uh, it was, there was no hold barred, so to say. Just this, the most simple way to get from point A to point B in a fight where it actually matters, right? Where there's no referee, where there's no preset time standards, no weight classes. Um, that was the onset. Now, once you know that as the foundation, right? Always, you know, taking into consideration tools, weapons. Um, now that we know that, now let's dial it back. We're going to focus on just the sport aspect or just this technical component, right? Um, to refine it. Yeah. And that's more like, hey, we're, gonna, we're just boxing right now. It's like, oh, well, if I could do that, well, great. We're, we're going to basically tie in one hand behind right. your back kind of thing. Right. Right. But we see any professional always, right? Like we see masters and, and professionals, whether it's in the shooting community or the martial arts community or anywhere else, you always have to isolate the specific tasks individually mm-hmm. to, to develop the, the, skill, the skill, right? Right. Um, so that was how it was taught to me, uh, how it was introduced to me. And, it, it, you know, I was like, I was sold out. All like in. I got bit by the bug. It was yeah. like, this is the way, like, you realize like how fast and how capable you can be against the specialist, right? Like, because what happens is, you know, like for instance- You, like, you mean how in, in this particular, where you're coming from, be- you can be effective and capable against a specialist in Muay Thai or the mm-hmm. specialist in jujitsu or right. the, in a gotcha. Because what happens is, and again, this they're, is, they're playing within a certain set of rules and you're not. Well, they like, again, it comes down to, now this is not, I'm not trying to say it with like, this is not uh, an absolute, so to say, but think about it this way. Right. Um, I mean, this is how we got to the UFC. This is how the UFC right. got to where it is. Right. Like everyone that's anyone pretty much identifies, right. Like, Bruce Lee as the grandfather of mixed martial arts, so to say, by putting all those ranges together. And you, you see that like outlined in his book, the Tao Jeet Kune Do. And um, you see where the specialists, right? Early think like, like the first five UFCs, right? Each of those dudes was 
a specialist. Those are so great in one to range, watch. Right? They like, were so great to watch too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Far more realistic. They're like the Shamrock Gracie fights. Oh my god. I mean, those are the best ever. That's, that's that's that is what you're talking about right now. Yeah. That's what I've shown my little guy, right? My son yeah. Date, like when we talk about martial arts, it's like, yeah. hey, watch like the original because he sees the UFC. He watches the fights with me. But he sees those in contrast. He's like, yeah, but they have gloves on. Yeah, but they have so <laughs> he realizes like there's there has to and there has to be, right? Like in order to do that at a professional level for as often sure. as like you have to do those things. Like hit somebody without gloves long enough and see how long that yeah, works. Let's just right? keep in mind this is a sport. There's Correct. money to be made. Like, yes. you know. You have to have that. Yeah. Um but you know, looking at it back then, you see like, hey, you started seeing what which arts had a degree of practicality when there were very limited rules, mm-hmm. right? You started seeing which is which was effective for this and which was for effective for that and what worked and like what was theoretical, right? Uh, and how some of those theories like realized like they didn't really plan, you know, they didn't play out in practice. Um, and I, th- you know, that's how we, I think that's how it's evolved to where it is now when we look at it, you know, grand scheme of things. Now, just imagine that like back in the ancient times or, you know, old times, I mean, it's not even that ancient, but like in the Philippines, those dudes are still fighting blades and sticks and swords, like, Legit, like everybody's pretty sure they still do that now. Yeah, everybody's carrying a blade. It's yeah. a completely different culture, and people here don't—they have no idea. Um, but having been exposed to it at a, at a young age, I mean, I was in ninth grade when I started training. Um, you know, under Guru Ron at PSDTC, and just being there and seeing and like, it, dude's like a walking encyclopedia. <laughs> and and I I mean that respectfully. Like he can sit there and break down. Like, oh well, in eighteen twenty eight, like he is. <laughs> He's a, a one of a kind kind of dude. I, I love that. I mean, people are they're they're trying to understand the history behind it, where it came from, why it came to be, how it evolved. You know what what it got used for, what it didn't get used for. What, and with that, you you have this deeper understanding and respect for what it is, and you also have the I think what that probably provides. And this is the same with like firearms or anything else. Provides this ability to be very objective. You know, like what is the what are the good parts that we want to take away versus and and toss this other stuff to the side. It's not that it's bad. It just doesn't work in this application. Right. Um, uh, so that, that was a really good, I think, um, framework to kind of, for people to maybe think about how they're approaching their martial arts and how they're approaching their combatives training and how that may or may not apply in the real world. When we talk about the real world, I just want to, for me, what that means is there are no rules. Murder is an option for that person that may be attacking me on the street, right? That is, that could be a, that could be an intention and, and or an option for them. And I don't want to be caught in a situation where I'm unprepared for that, mm. right? So what do I pick? Yeah. You know, what, what are the, where do I spend my time and, and what do I pick? Maybe we come back to that, but I wonder how this plays out as you get older and then get into law enforcement and you go through maybe what they're tra- what they're training or how they're training you and oh, what you yeah let's talk about that because you're going to have a much different perspective you know uh, obviously there's the academy and then there's whatever else they do after who knows every department's a little bit different but nowadays we know it's not very much yeah I spend mean a lot of time there I got jammed in the academy just because when like when it would come to defensive tactics right like I was taught the best defense is is offense. Get out of right? here! Like yeah. like, yeah. just crush and give him no yeah. options yeah. from the beginning. Um, I I almost got in trouble because I choked out my you know <laughs> my my academy instructor. One of the scenarios, <laughs> I assumed he knew how to tap. Um, I apparently never trained. Is this uh, right? Dead serious. Um, 
he jumped on one of my, I jumped on my partner, you know, doing like a, a, doing like the whole practical skills thing. He jumps on my partner. I'm like, oh, this is easy. Like, <laughs> this is not even a thing. Uh, rear naked choke, kick out the back leg, put him down, like out. Uh, well, he doesn't go completely out. So I'm like, I'm realizing like he's going to go out, but I, you know, now I'm like, is he, is he what is, what is this? Like, is this does, a challenge? Yeah, yeah. Does he not know? Does, then like, uh, does he not know he's supposed to tap? <laughs> like I got him. Like he's not doing anything at this point. Like th- he's not coming out of this. And, uh, I let it go and I quickly roll him onto his back. He's like, he like basically gives me like the command, like, Hey, we're like out of, we're like, done. we're done. Yeah. End X, like end exercise. And he jumps up and blows a gasket and uh, like pack your stuff. You're out of here. You know, um, they bring me back in. You have to do a bunch of consultation. Hey, like what, what, what was that? Like, that's not a department approved technique. It's like, that was super efficient. Like you don't have any bumps, mm-hmm. any, like there's no, like you would have just went to sleep peacefully and woke up in handcuffs. Here, here comes the, here comes the quote unquote handcuffs that they're about to put on. You. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you're about to, you're about, you're about to get treated like your little brother was getting treated. Yeah. Uh, there's one time where he was like pretending to bite in a practical skill. I'm like, Oh, if we're biting, like I'm starting to gouge eyes. Like I'm not like, you're, <laughs> yeah. So got jammed there. Um, it, you know, I was got just, and it wasn't like a, in a negative way. I think he was just trying to show me like, Hey dude, there's, there's, there's policies and procedures. There's policies and procedures in place that dictate what you can and cannot do. And this, these are things you cannot do. Um, so it took a while. Right. So like I, I definitely for the Academy is like, all right, cool. I'm just going to do whatever they show me. And I'm going to get the brakes beat off of me for the duration of time that it takes and whatever. Like I'm going to get really good with my baton, my OC spray and my, you know, tools, my radio. So, uh, get through the Academy phase. And then it was like, all right, cool, here we go. You know, um, soon as we could get hands on in the street, it was like, that was like, yes. <laughs> like, you know, can we <laughs> go to that up. call? Um, yeah. it was just, it, you know, you're, it wasn't like, well, no, I could say at that stage in my life, it was probably a, a degree of ego. Um, but I had been burning so many reps. And you, you want to be tested. Yeah, I mean, that's I what think you've been training your whole life for. No, anybody that says they don't, I think they're lying or just being modest. But like, I wanted to know like, Hey, like how, how well does this really work? You know, um, I wasn't the dude that ran around to bars and, and testing out his, his stuff. And that, that was a thing in, in those circles kind of thing. Uh, I had an instructor who was, uh, he's like, all right, come back. You know, class was done at six. Like come back at nine. We're it's all like, going out. Like, where are we going? Oh, we're going to go to the bar. It's like, dude, I'm, yeah. I'm 19, bro. <laughs> it's like, oh, you can come anyway. It's like, whoa, nah, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to get arrested. Uh, I'm not so, proud of that. I had a few of those days myself. So, so yeah, I wasn't like, that guy, you know, but like on the job, it was like, yes, let's do that. You know? Um, so I got to, to test a lot of stuff. I got to see what worked, what didn't, especially dudes like high on PCP. And like, we got to do that a lot, um, on a weekly basis. What'd you find out? Uh, my way worked better than what was being taught at the Academy. Mm-hmm. Big um, surprise. It definitely makes it like easier if you go first. Um, right. And when you're not playing fluff, fluff games, you know, uh, when you're, when you're bound by so many rules, um, it makes it difficult, right? Like it I, makes it extremely difficult. I would the bad say guy has none. I would say it has a potential potential to make it even that much more dangerous for everybody involved too. When you're. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so is your, you're fighting at a handicap. Yeah. I mean, we're starting to see now here in the state of California, uh, there are, there are people out there that right now that are trying to 
make the use of canine canines and canine officers illegal. Mm. Yeah, like you can't you can't use them to to buy That's a suspect. A of time. Yeah, uh, and I don't I don't think that people understand the 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 less lethal that that provides helps everybody involved. It looks bad, yeah. But is it what's better, shooting somebody, you know, or or whatever? I don't I don't know. There, yeah. There's never gonna there's we're going to talk about worldview here, but <laughs> everybody sees things from it through a different lens and whatever, and they have their things. But as you're going out there on the street and you're, and you're, you're being tested and you're testing these things, you're finding out your, what you're doing is more efficient yeah. <laughs> and more effective. Are you getting in trouble? Um, I had one instance where, uh, the street boss didn't believe that I hit the dude with my, you know, um, he accused me of, of using a baton. He's okay. like, there's no way that damage happens from you elbowing him in the face. I'm like, that's all I did. Like, all I did was use an elbow and that stopped it. It was done. He's like, there's no way. I don't believe it. Like, there's no way that damage happened from a single elbow. And it's like, yeah. So I actually ended up going back and playing a camera and saw that it was just a single elbow. Oh, wow. Thank goodness for that, right? Um, so that worked out for me, but... Um, and it was completely justified. Like there was no issues there. Like the dude was a, a felon. I was by myself. It's three o'clock in the morning, stopped the car, like in the middle of nowhere, uh, industrial area had backup on the way. He tried to, you know, get away kind of thing. It was, you know, not war stories, but it was justified in all ways, shapes or forms. Like dude just grabbed me by my you know, shirt, trying to choke me out. Doesn't sound like an atypical story to me at all, actually. <laughs> so, uh, it's just one of those things where I, you know, not too much trouble, but like, there's little things where again, it's, it's a, what I went into, like I expected to find more guys of the same mentality, right? Like I expected mm. like, Hey, everybody on this team is going to be thinking the same way. You know, like most guys that are, uh, like-minded, so to say, and go to a specific place to do a specific thing, find that it's not necessarily the case. Maybe you are one of a handful uh, or two handfuls, whatever that number looks like. How do you deal with that? I mean, you, like we already talked about this at, at length, like this is what you were driven to do your entire life. And now you're being faced with the, Hey, tone it down, dude. Yeah. Like, story of my life. Yeah. How does that, how does that work out? Story of my life, man. Like it was just another, like I was so used to it from, from school sports to, to school to just, that was always the thing for me, you know, like even amongst my, you know, my peers, amongst, I was just, just always a, a very competitive person. Mm -hmm. And I always took everything super serious. And that was, just, you know, I don't, I don't, my brain doesn't work anyway. You know, my mom would say, Davey, God made you special. My uh, high school football coach used to make me take my helmet off at practice. So, cause I wasn't, I didn't, I only knew. One yeah. speed. <laughs> Take your helmet off and put it over there. At least that would slow things down, me, me down a little bit. Yeah. So I think I can relate, man. Yeah. I, I also know how frustrating that can be. And, and you know, it, it takes time. You can be, you can become a little disenfranchised or it, you could also take that energy or that frustration. You can focus it a little bit differently. And I imagine, and I'm sure this, I, I, I think I already know the answer to this, but eventually there's going to be opportunities for, for people like you yeah. that are out there looking, you know, to find, oh, they're hunting the boogeyman. They're hunting yeah. the bad guys and they want to be involved in the not so nice stuff. And they're not the guy that showed up and is okay with, you know, mediocrity. the mediocrity. So this, I'm sure this expands for you. Yeah. So, I mean, had a blast in patrol, did that for the first, you know, four years of my career. So say four and a half years. And, um, Eventually got pulled up to like narcotics. And I was like, 
I kind of already developed that niche, right? Like growing up where I did and being exposed to what I was exposed to, it made it very easy for me to spot, right? Like spot bad stuff happening when it was happening mm-hmm. or right before it was happening. So it, it wasn't uh, something necessarily new. I was me and, and the guys that I worked with, like the, the guys that kind of, you know, birds of a feather, if you will. Um, me and the guys that I affiliated, affiliated with at work, like we just, we gravitated toward that and it, was, it became like a friendly little competition. Like who can get the most drugs and guns this week, you know, let's, or tonight and like mm-hmm. loser buys, you know, breakfast kind of thing or something. Um, a lot of it was just bragging rights, uh, you know, my squad versus your squad and this shift versus that, that shift or that district versus this district. It was just, we were just wired that way. Um, and again, that's not everybody, but eventually got recruited to narcotics and, and did that thing for a while. And it was like, I was already doing this. Like, this is no different than what I was doing. I'm just now not wearing a uniform mm-hmm. and driving a black and white. Like, so I wasn't very, um, I was kind of like dis- I, disappointed. Like what I had in my mind was like, you know, every movie I saw, you the know, Donnie shirt. Brasco yeah, yeah. and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the departed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's the stuff I want to do. That's like, when I hear narcotics, that's what I'm thinking of. Not, like, this is literally what we were doing back in patrol as drug, uh, drug addiction cars. Like this is no different outside of just, you know, running the occasional uh, CI, which, you know, you can't trust those dudes anyway. They're playing both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. And then we don't have enough money to do buys because we, I got to pay this guy. Then I got to, you know, anyway. So I, uh, I spoke with my lieutenant and I'm like, uh, ALT, I, I want to do some UC work. And he's like, oh yeah, we'll do some prostitution things. And I was like, Um, I'm like, can we do more than that? And he was like, ah, well, you know, uh, we, we had a program that got shut down. So I took some time off work, uh, just used vacation time, uh, changed up my appearance and, uh, came back and day one, I'm like, I want to see if I can actually do this. Like if I can fool my own guys. Right. And our department at the time was probably four or 500 cops. Oh, I love where this is. Um, I'm like, if I could fool my own guys then I can probably pull this off. I can definitely fool the guys on the street. So I get all done up, so to say, and uh, I go to the front desk and I make a complaint. Like I walked in the front desk, like I'm going to just file a police report. And if I can fool my front desk boss, my front desk sergeant, and you know my FTO, who's one of my uh, FTOs that walked in, if I can fool her, like, like how else? No, These are literally the people you work with every day prior to your vacation. Check. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I do exactly that. I go to the front desk and, and I do my thing, you know, put on a little show, so to say. What did you say? Like, what was the story? Yeah, uh, man. So I, I basically was complaining about a robbery. Said I got, you know, there's a street robbery. So I walked in, I had my arm in a uh, sling. Okay. Right. Um, and I'm like, I gotta make a complaint, you know? So... Yeah, I'm, you know, that's, that doesn't do it any justice, I promise. Uh, but <laughs> nonetheless, like front desk boss doesn't say a thing, calls, calls the street cop to come in. Right. Where did it happen? You know, I tell, tell him the street, he calls for that cop who I knew was going to show up. She comes up, she takes my complaint at the front desk. And right before she pulls the case number, I'm like, hey, Kathy, it's just me. And uh, she's like, <laughs> she looks at the front desk boss and she looks back at me and she's like, looks back at the front desk boss, looks back at me and she's like... <laughs> <laughs> are you serious? She's like losing it, right? She Now she's like laughing to the point that she's like, has tears in her eyes laughing, okay. right? Um, uh, so we go like behind, uh, you know, she brings me to the back or whatever, behind the uh, the front desk. And she's like, what the, like, what are you doing? What is this about? So I just wanted to see if I could pull it off. She's like, 
oh my goodness. She's like, I had no idea. Uh, and me, I mean, she, she saw me probably about two months prior. So it wasn't that, you know, it's not like I was removed for years. So uh, I went, went upstairs, met, uh, met with the lieutenant and he's like, what in the world is this? I'm like, What's this about? hey, I think we should just try this. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. So, just like that. Just like that. Cool dude, man. Um, God rest his soul. But yeah, good dude. Uh, name was uh, Jeff Hoffman. He left as a captain, but. That's awesome, um, man. So he, uh, he was nobody my, was, nobody was pissed at you for this, like for wasting time or anything like that. They no, generally thought, cause he, they know you No, cause they know what you're doing is not cause you're a jokester, but because you're looking to, to get some more real work done. Yeah, man. I think he, I mean, he was my boss as a sergeant, right? Like, so he was my sergeant on the street when I was doing crime suppression and drug interdiction just as a, you know, regular patrolman. And he, he did a great job of schooling me up, man. Like, Hey, you can't do that. Like you can't, that, that, that what you just did like, as far as like, you know, like, well, it's a drug dealer's car. We're going to tow it anyway. I might as well jump out on another corner. And it's like, you can't do that. Um, so it's like, okay, check. Can't do that. <laughs> Still putting the reins back. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he did a good, great job of like, you know, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. And here's why, like not procedurally, it's not that you can't, but you can, you know, what if they misconstrue you as a bad guy? You know, like they can't see through those windows and it's, you're wearing a uniform. Yeah. It does, you know, good. Nobody sees it kind of thing. So he brought a lot of, um, you know, wisdom, mm-hmm. right? Wisdom to, to uh, me and a few other guys. Thank goodness for those guys. Yeah. Right. Keep Absolutely. you out of trouble. Yeah. Remember what I told you before? Like, hey, here's my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let it go. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, he, uh, he, he, he approved it and started doing the UC thing. And it started like with a little, you know, the nonsense stuff. Like, I don't even call that UC work. Like, right? you just pull up on a corner and, uh, and buy from the local dude. Like, not a big deal. It, it's like, the entry level rudimentary. I don't even at this point, like I don't really refer to that as UC work, so to say, but did a bunch of that uh, for the next few months, like several times an evening for several different, <laughs> several different types of controlled t- uh, substances or, or narcotics. And then uh, would do that all over the city and then go into like neighboring cities or neighboring towns and then kind of got uh, bored out by like different agencies. Yep. So then state's like, hey, can you do that for the state? Hey, can you do that for this agency, okay. for that agency? So uh, the Fed started getting involved. In, you're, you're, the, you're the guy. Having me do that stuff for the feds, which was cool because that's like kind of like the direction I wanted to go, like, right? Longer term stuff with more significance, right? Greater weight, greater well, risk. I was going to ask you that. Like, I'm, I'm, I was, you know, you got into being a cop and I wondered if there was ever a point there because you're, you're talking through it right now that you're like, I thought I wanted to be a cop, but there's, there's more yeah. that I, and I want more, like, what would that even be? So now you're talking about like federal agencies, other agencies, like interagency work, things like that. So yeah. this is getting bigger, but I wonder, like you, you kind of said like, there's a little disappointment in kind of what I was doing to be until this little stunt you pulled. Right. Um, and it's starting to escalate now. Yeah. So yeah, cause I'm going like, I wonder if this guy's disappointed that he's doing what he's doing. Like he should have gone a different route and, what the, what the heck would that even be? Yeah. You know, aside from being a bad guy, you're a really good, good guy. Who's good at being a bad guy. What's the job for that guy? Yeah. Um, it was a blast, man. Like I just, I just developed a niche for it. Yeah. It just came natural to me. Yep. Um, eventually started doing it at the fed level. Like I, uh, recruited to a federal task force doing it, uh, with Plus. them on, on large scale investigations, like title, like title threes or wiretaps. So did a, a bunch of those for 
um, bad dudes, mm. right? Yeah, I got to imagine. Now, now, it's never a good dude, right? Yeah. But sometimes good dudes get caught up in bad situations. But when you start to get to that level, we're talking bad dudes. Yeah, like that. You're talking about professional criminals. And you're walking, there's a lot of risk there. A lot of risk. Are you walking into these things on your own? Or are you working with other people? Or what are, what are these, give an, like give an example of what like a walking into this type of a situation might look like. So, I mean, depends on, on what I'm buying, right? Or what I'm doing. Like sometimes you're not even buying contraband. Sometimes it's just information gathering, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes it's just uh, developing a rapport, right? Like just developing confidence to be able to talk to this dude or call this dude or be able to stand on the same corner as him or be able to get in the same car with him. Sometimes it's just that, right? Like uh, sometimes it's just getting introduced to be able to get all those things. And there's generally a progression through that, that eventually leads to the exchange of contraband or money. Um, I mean, so on the, on the, at the easy levels, right. uh, You generally have like, for lack of better terms, like a strike team or like a QRF that's close by. And, you know, if I ever do this kind of thing or something, you know, whatever, some type of signal that says like, Hey, this isn't going well. And I need, like, we want you to stop. Like, I want you to stop this now. Like whether that's rolling a black and white past us to kind of deescalate it or whether it's having like the jump out crew jump out on the corner, shake everybody down all the way up and to and through like a combination of all those things, depending on, you know, what's happening. You included because you're, you're playing this role. You're getting shook down as well. Right. Right, Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you start doing uh, the larger scale stuff or the more risky stuff at that point, you're kind of like by yourself. Um, the wire thing is, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, it's not something like you really don't want to wear a wire, right? Like do start shaking you down. Seems like an instant death sentence to me. yeah. Yeah. You don't, you know, so without going like into details on how that's done or how it's not done and when it is and isn't like it gets to a point where you're, you're, you're by yourself. Like it just is what it is. Like that's the inherent risk in the job and it's just you and nobody's coming to save you until they hear gunfire. But by then, you know, it's potentially too late. So, um, you know, a lot of these guys are savvy. Like they've been down that road before. So they're not doing stuff in, in plain sight in, in public space, so to say in open space. It's like, Hey, yeah, meet me in this playground, right? In the middle of the housing projects. One way in, one way out, right? Like they can see the cars coming in and coming out. They know what cars belong there. So you really can't bring dudes with you. You know what I mean? What What about like, I imagine you're not walking into these, a lot of all these situations armed either. No, like because, depending on who you are, you like it doesn't fit the role, mm-hmm. right? So there's times that you, like you having a firearm fits the role depending on how you're wearing it, right? And there's other times where it doesn't fit the role. And you can't, like, that's not what would, like, you, that would, that would cost you your cover, so to say. That's pretty heavy, dude. Um, You're walking into the, the alone situation where the two people, three people, one person, whatever that you're meeting with is definitely armed. There's guys that have done that on a scale, like, you know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm awesome. Like, I've got a taste of it. I dabbled in it. There's guys that have done that for years. Right. Um, years, years and years and years. So for me, um, I, I was fortunate, fortunate enough to experience it the way I did for as long as I did. And mm. I think it's like, it's tough because you can't talk about, right. If you, and we talked about this earlier, yeah, if, yeah. if you talk about certain things, like you're becoming like you're egotistical, prideful and braggadocious. Right. 
but then on the flip side, if you don't talk about certain things, uh, and then it's like, ah, that guy's just, you know, he's, he's being, yeah. He's seen he's, too many movies. Right. And he's being, um, he's being brief, uh, to try to hide stuff. Right. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to dump into this a little bit because yeah, we were talking about this and I wanted to bring this up on the show. Cause you know, I, I have I try to say this every time I'm, I'm, privileged and honored to be able to sit in front of people and talk with people, whether it's in the front of the mic or cameras or whatever, somewhere else that have lived much different lives and have had much different experiences. And as a result, that's part of their quote unquote resume. Yeah. And somehow we've reached this point. Um, and I believe it's for a couple of reasons, but we've reached this point where sharing your resume is a double-edged sword. Mm. Um, and, and it comes more with, if you do say something, then people are automatically putting you into a silo of, or a category of, oh, okay, well then this guy only has this experience. And so now he's going to try to tell me all these other things and I can already see it coming and they're already switched off. We were, we were talking about that a little bit. On the other side is if you don't share, it comes back to what you just said. Well, he's, he's being brief. He's not being fully transparent. I can see there's maybe it's a little, little shifty around this. And so in that point, he lacks credibility and I can't yeah. believe anything he says. He's seen too many movies, read too many books, you know, too many, played too many video games, whatever else. I mean, I've seen that shit wind up in the comment section of people that I've had on the show. And I'm like, you don't have any idea what you're talking about. But the thing that, the thing that drives me nuts is there are people like you served, serving their community at a very high level and many communities over time or people that maybe are coming from the military background or whatever that have served their country and been into some stuff that I've had on the show that don't want to talk about it because they get backlash yeah. for, for talking about it. Now, I don't think you should have to talk about it. Um, I think that one of the things I try to do really well here is make sure that the people that we have on the show are the people that I want to hear from because they do have integrity and they are, they, they have credibility and there's other people that, believe that as well. And you can see it, you can feel it. Like uh, you either know or you don't know. Right. Yeah. And, and so coming into this and just having that, that conversation, I know you can't talk about it too much and I don't want you to. Um, I don't, I don't think it's important if people want to take it or fucking leave it. That's what I say, you know, yeah. um, whatever, whatever you want to say, you want to say, uh, I can't stop that. But being brief and then, and then also talking about the background a little bit, I wanted you to talk about a little bit of the background only because um, I think it provides context to what you're doing now and what you have to provide. And so when people see you out there and they don't have what you just said, then it leaves this room for weird shit to happen in the comment section. Yeah. Which is going to happen no matter what. <laughs> right. Well, a thousand percent. Uh, it's just, <laughs> don't we, read the comments. It's, it's a strange place that we, it's a strange, strange place that we live in. Uh, I just wonder how, like, you know, it, it, as you're, as you're going out there now, we, kind of maybe you shift a little bit into the business that you're doing now and how you got there just with, you know, you were caught for so long. You, you just talked about this high level sort of UC work. Okay. Maybe it didn't go as long as some other guys. You have to sort of back up on a little bit, but you did do it. You were exposed to it. So that's a real experience for you. You had to walk into situations where all you had was your hands. You know? Dude, it's just you. Like people don't realize like, yeah. you know, there, there's like this cliche term of no one's going to save you, you know, like, t-shirts and Instagram memes and all that nonsense. But there's like, no wire. There's, there's no, no wire. There's yeah. potentially no weapons, right? Like outside what's between my ears, right? And what I can fashion and improvise uh, aside from my training, right? Um, dude, any significant, anything that's sig like significant, if we're going to do something that's like risky here, like 
the dude doesn't come by himself. Number one, like the dude always brings friends, right? Like let's so already you're way behind the power curve. Yeah. So I'm already outnumbered. Right. And then on top of that, like he's not, not bringing tools. Right. They're bringing guns and knives and bats and chains and whatever else, right? Whatever like, else keeps them out of jail so and keeps them alive, yeah. It's always more than one dude. Those dudes are always, like always, they're always strapped, right? Uh, and on top of that, like these dudes have been stabbing and shooting and, and <laughs> you know, they've been criminals since their childhood. Like they have a relationship with violence and criminal, right? Like not just violence, but like criminal, like criminalistic violence, right? Like... It's one thing to be in a schoolyard and have a fight. That's different, right? Yeah. Like that's different. Like me and, and the kid at the, you know, at the playground fighting over the honor of the woman, right? Like the young girl, that's way different than these dudes shooting a street or, corner. Yeah. Or the frat dudes that are at the bar that have had too much to drink and now yeah. it's a test of wills that turns into a shoving and punching match out on the Not the same, bar. man. Not the same. Not yeah. the same. Like if this dude thinks that you're who you actually are, like- He's, he's going away for a long time anyway. Like, what does he lose by shooting you in the face? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like That's he, reality. Like, that's the reality of it. So, like, I don't care how well you fight. Like, like I realized, like, it was, I think at those points in time where I realized, like, okay, like, like, how, <laughs> how martial is your real, like, mm. how martial is your martial arts system? Like, you know, you want to see if you can fight. Those are different odds. Like, it's, it's, it's not, there's no touch hands and go. There's no duel. I don't want to be grappling on the ground with some dude while his buddy's stabbing me or shooting me. Like, you know, like it's, I'm, I'm, I'm on the third, right? The third stairwell, like, you know, imagine the stairwell, you've got 10 floors, you're on the third floor, trapped between two stairwells, you're on the stairwell with the dude and there's a you know, dude above you and two dudes below you. Like you're outnumbered. They brought weapons. You can't have any because of the role you're playing. Like, dude, that's a completely different, um, you know, scenario when we start talking about like, combatives and fighting and what you think right looks like, you know, impertinence to that. Um, when you think about things that way, like it changes the perspective for me, at least it changed my perspective on what I think right looks like when it comes to training martial arts. Okay. Um, because the intent for me is like, I it's, it's real self-defense, like real self-defense. But if you understand the dynamics of violence, defense automatically denotes the fact that you're going after something bad already happened, right? Like it's, it's preventative. Um, I'm, pre- I'm, I'm defending myself from harm but like real self-defense is done preemptively. Let's talk about that. Um, I think it's, it's, I mean, it starts with mindset and what you just said there and understanding what you just said. I I think people don't realize, like when we talk about, like the way I categorize self-defense is like defense, like being able to defend yourself and others from harm. And I don't mean necessarily violence. Like if we're talking specifically about like interpersonal human aggression, right? At this point, um, but self-defense, like it's defense from harm. Like think frontier days, harm, like, right. Like not having ample heat, right. Yeah. And not having ample uh, cold, right? right. Like not being able to regulate your body's core temperature, not having clean drinking water, not having enough food, right. Not having medicine, not having uh, weapons, right. To be able to protect yourself from four-legged creatures, let alone two-legged creatures, right. Like think holistic, broad spectrum, 20,000 foot view, 100,000 foot view of self-defense, like everything categorically, like just what we need to be able to survive as a species, Mm -hmm. first and foremost. And then when we break down self-defense, like to what everybody else understands it to be today, it's like me fighting against another dude. But I think with, you know, like as our culture has changed and our, like our exposure to violence has changed. um, Like, 
people don't understand like at, at the basic level, like the dynamics of violence, right? Like they don't understand um, at a foundational level, the principles uh, that go into understanding violent encounters. And what happens is like, they only know what they've been exposed to. Um, and most people like haven't been exposed to a lot outside of what they've seen on television or video games, which is superficial. It's fake. And, uh, you know, when we say self-defense, everybody thinks like, you know, the Taekwondo school or the Tai Chi school, you know, and it's like, that needs to be understood first and foremost. Like what is like, what's like in your mind, what does violence actually look like? Like, can you even define what violence is? Like, that's a problem. Like nowadays, like when I talk to a guy that's going to teach me how to shoot, like I'm hoping he can define shooting. Like before we even talk about what techniques and skills you think are relevant to this and how to develop this, like, you know, what is shooting? Fitness. You're going to teach me fitness. Okay, awesome. How do you define physical fitness, right? Like that matters because that's the foundation on which we're going to build everything else thereafter. What we come back to when we're trying to make progress and we're not making it or whatever. Right. Um, So we have to have an understanding at at a rudimentary level as to what it is that we're looking to get better at. And when we think of self-defense, some people have a narrow-minded, simple understanding of it. And then sometimes that's, or most times I'd say that's, that's skewed because it's not based on actual violent encounters. It's not based on like actual asocial violence. It's, it's based on, you know, like you said, the, the two college kids outside the bar, right? Uh, arguing over who has the bigger banana, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, a, like a couple of monkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a fight. That's, that's not a fight. Like that, can, that can turn into a fight, but that's not really, I mean, that's completely avoidable. Yeah. Like number one, don't go to the bars. Two, if that happens, leave. Yeah. Don't have an ego, right? Like that doesn't have to happen. Um, where that, like in contrast, like that, that's just social violence. That's like social, like maintaining a social Peck, hierarchy. Yeah, pecking orders. Yeah, yes. A pecking order. Yeah. Um, a social violence, like there's no discussion to be had. There's no, there's no peacocking. There's no snarling of the teeth. There's no taking off shirts. Um, and sometimes we have social violence that escalates to a social violence, right? Like we can have, sure. uh, especially when there's drugs and alcohol involved, yep. it can always escalate to that. But Word I think people, making. yeah, people need to understand like what is violence. And if you understand like what violence is at a, at a rudimentary level, like let's just say if we're going to find violence, we define violence to be the use of force, right? The use of force intended to uh, cause uh, harm, abuse, uh, injury, incapacitation, or to kill or destroy. I think that's a pretty... Pretty clear. Like, it's all inclusive. (laughs) Um, It's pretty clear. So, I mean, I I don't think there's any mistaking what violence is if we understand that. The reason that we use the term force instead of violence is because force is quantifiable, right? It's just mass. Like, it's it's just uh, math, so to say. Mass times acceleration equates to force. So it's easy to quantify, right? And then we say, okay, now if we understand what violence is, and we understand how we measure it, uh, we have to kind of have an understanding of what it is and what it does. So we know what it is. We know what it is uh, from a cause effect. Now, uh, from a cause, but what's the effect, right? So now we have to understand like what are their levels to violence. Okay. Like is is violence scalable? And I would say yes, it is. Right. I would like say when we, the same. When we yeah. look at violence, we generally categorize it two ways. We generally categorize violence as either uh, or force as either deadly or non deadly. And different parts of the country use different types of vernacular, whether it's non-deadly force versus deadly force or non-lethal force versus lethal force. Either way, one denotes, right, that it's either lethal or not. There's nothing in between. Right. Right. So we have to talk about what that is. Like, what is lethal force? What is deadly force? Like, how do we categorize that? 
There's a lot of people that walk around with guns and training and this and that and blades and blah, 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 blah. And they don't even know like what deadly force actually is or what constitutes it, you know, constitutes it. And I think it's important that like, again, if you're going to be a professional, right? Like if you're going to carry tools, if you're going to train self-defense, if you're going to train martial arts, if you're going to train in the area of, of being capable of violence done righteously in defense of human life as a good guy, like you, you're asking to be a professional. Like, I mean, goodness gracious. Like if you think about it, like your degree of professionalism is directly going to correlate, right? It directly correlates to your performance. Almost every time. So there's a little bit of luck there though. It's involved. I mean, you know, it's always better yeah. to be lucky than good. Yeah. I mean, like I'd rather be lucky than good any day, but the reality <laughs> is, um, you've got to know that. And a lot of guys think they, you know, they put the emphasis of focus on like, if we say home defense, everybody thinks gun on my nightstand. Yeah. It's like, dude, that is like, you're thinking way we're, behind we're, the power. Yeah, curve, bro. Like things have already gone wrong. Way wrong. Yeah. yeah way like, wrong. There's a lot of things we can do prior to like prior to like prevention, um, same thing on the violence side. Most guys think about what's the best gun or what's the best blade or where do I put it to make it like, you know, they, they start thinking about the actual violent encounter first, then understanding like what goes into trying to prevent this, you know, the problem from happening from, from, the, from the onset. But most guys don't even know how to define, you know, the de- or how to differentiate deadly force from non-deadly force. They don't know how to see, they don't see the difference between the two. It's like, Hey man, like, do you know what deadly force is? Like, you're carrying a pistol. Yes, I am. I'm carrying a pistol because it's my second amendment, right? And yep. I, Hey, amen. Hallelujah. Like I'm with you. Yeah. Carry tools, but also train, right? Like not just the, the hard skill side of the house, right? Like be fast and accurate, right? Be safe and responsible. On the flip side of that though, what about the soft skills? Mm-hmm. Like soft skills, like, do you even know when you can pull that thing out? Like, do you know what level of force that's going to cause? Oh, well, I will use non-deadly force by shooting them, someplace other than Ridiculous. it's like what are you talking about what world are you living in that is a fallacy that's not a thing um so if we define what deadly force is like we understand that deadly force is uh any force right any physical force that's reasonably likely to result in death or serious physical injury simple as that death or serious physical injury if we know what that is then we say all right well, i mean pretty pretty much everybody knows what death is right like uh then it gets to the th- serious physical injury side or grave bodily harm. Again, different vernacular, yeah, different terms where, and, and where you are in the country. But they all denote the same thing, right? Any any physical force reasonably likely to result in death or, um, you know, grave bodily harm. So grave bodily harm would be, serious physical injury would be maiming, disfigurement, right? The, the permanent loss of a function uh, or member of the body, right? Like um, you losing your finger, like that's serious physical injury. Some dude runs a razor blade across your face and changes the way you look for the rest of your life, right? Like that's disfigurement. For the perpetrator of that, that could actually be worse than actually killing somebody, uh, you know, or it could be the same from a legal perspective um, at, at some level. We're, we'll get back to like, if you're trying to defend your life and you have to use lethal or non-lethal force yeah. um, the way, as the way you're defining it. But like you, you leave somebody maimed versus somebody dead, that that's going to go on for a long, long time in terms of what you may be responsible for. Oh yeah. I mean, when you start thinking about second and third order of effects yes, yeah. of your actions, yeah, yeah. without a doubt. So, um, I think it's got to be part of it. Like you have to understand what these things are. Like, if they don't, like you're just setting up yourself for failure. And I see like in this industry, in this space, the reason I talk about like, you know, my experience is because like 
I'm, I've learned from mistakes that were made. Like I've learned from <laughs> firsthand not knowing what these things are and what they do. And by not having that software, if you will, like the soft skills, um, if you're not, by, by not having that first and foremost at the foundational level, it causes a degree of reluctancy and hesitation, right? Like when the time comes that, that you need to use it, you're wondering like, wait, can I actually send it? And if you're not wondering if you can, it's because there's no doubt at this point, right? And generally it's because like, you know, rounds are being, <laughs> uh, you know, driven in your direction, right? Like the rounds are now impacting uh, on or around your person. Um, and by then, I mean, anybody could do that. Like everybody fights back, right? Right. Like look at law enforcement shootings. Almost every cop shoots back after they've been shot at, right? Um, but we watch videos all the time of cops taking an, absorbent, an exorbitant amount of time to make the decision. Like they want, they want it to be black and white. They want it to be, there, there needs to be no question in the people that are watching this unfold that I was in the right. Mm. Um, it's a really tough space to be living in. Oh man, like that's just, that's scary, right? That's a, that, not someplace you want to be. But, I, but what I found is, when it's just, at least, and then this is my personal experience dealing with that side of the house and talking to dudes, you know, post OIS and stuff. And it's like, you ask like, Hey, what were you waiting for? Like AAR after action review, let's sit there and talk about what do we sustain? What do we improve? What went well? What didn't go so well? What did you feel? What did you hear? What did you see? What did you know leading up to your decision-making process? You start talking about all these things. It's like a lot of them, a lot of them at the foundational level or like, I felt like I could do it, but I just wasn't a hundred percent sure. It's like, well, were you, if you were a hundred percent sure, would you have been faster to make your decision? You know, and I'm not saying yes or no. Like that's a, I think a question that we all need to ask ourselves. Hmm. Um, because if you carry a, a, if you carry tools that are capable of inflicting death or serious physical injury on you on a day-to-day -day basis with the intent of being able to defend your life or somebody else's righteously, um, the moral side of the house, like you've got to be good with that. Like, Ethically, morally, like you've got to be good with that. I agree. But you've also got to be good with understanding the legal implications of what you're about to do. It's are that those, those things have already been decided. Yeah. Because once you go to here, all the other things that happen after that more or less have been decided. Yeah. Like a, there's a lot of that is a, you know, so to say a tomorrow problem. The problem is it becomes a now today problem because mm -hmm. they haven't wrestled through these questions, right? They haven't wrestled through these things prior to which is why I like the videos that I do on, on social media, as far as like an AR or like showing a shooting or showing a fight or something, it's not done with tearing apart individual, you know, individuals involved in it or their decision-making individually. But like, what can we, what do we see as a trend? Cause there's trends, right. And what do we see from a principal approach, right? Like principally speaking, what are we seeing? Like what, like have, if that was like, everybody jumps on there and says, oh, I would have done this or I would like. Oh, sure. It's Monday morning, Monday morning quarterbacking. Right? Yeah. With, with 2020 hindsight, right? right? Like they knew exactly how it was going to go. So they would have done this. It, it's that's, that talk is cheap. And anybody that's ever been there and done that, like, doesn't say that. Like, that's not their answer. Like guys that have actually been there and done that are like, well, what information did they had leading up to it? 
I'd like to think that I would have done this or that, but I don't know because I don't know what's going on in that cop's brain at that point in Five time. Five minutes before that camera came on, what was going yeah. on, all of that, yeah. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know what training or experience they have. Like, I have a general understanding of the training and the experience, but at the degree of specificity, specificity required to be able to say yay or nay, like, I don't necessarily have that. I don't know what experience they have. Have they ever done this before? Have they never done this before? What did their training look like? Did their training, uh, you know, adequately prepare them to be able to perform at that specific um, thing or, you know, compounded thing. By the you, yeah. You mentioned something early to earlier to me today that really stood out too. And that is, that is, that is a perspective through that body worn camera, which is much different than what's coming through, you know, like the field of view for the officer yeah. involved from all sides. Like we just, we don't see things like we see in a, in a, in a body worn camera. Dudes see the camera and they think that like, for whatever reason, again, it's just a lack of training, a lack of experience, a lack of exposure, right? Expo- exposure, real exposure is is the, the combination of the two, both training and experience, some of which is just inferred, not necessarily firsthand experience. Um, but a lot of people watch this in a Monday night quarterback watching a camera or, you know, a CCTV footage, uh, CCTV camera that's got like a bird's eye view of the incident. It's like, dude, that is not through the... The, the actual the, eyes of that cop right. or that person involved in that scenario. Like, and even if it is, even if you're looking through their eyes, let's say you're actually looking through their eyes, you still don't know what's going on in their brain. Still tons of variables. Yeah. So talk is cheap um, in that regard. But I think we can also, I think hindsight done well brings about foresight. I think we can learn from these unfortunate circumstances and, and garner like, right, information that makes us faster to make good decisions and slower to make bad decisions. When we find ourselves in these situations or something similar, um, we do that all the time in, in, on the LE side. Right? Like on the LE side, we're constantly doing those things um, because goodness gracious, like let's be honest, like most cops aren't getting into gunfights in their entire career. Right. Like the vast majority of police officers never fire their gun in the line of duty, like in a 20, 25 year career, depending on where they are, right? Like, sure. Um, and then you have other cops that, have done it several times, a handful of times uh, over the course of their career. So, and some more than that, depending on where they are in the country and what their job specifically entails. So um, for the guys that don't have that experience, that's the closest thing I can do or you know, anyone can do is start watching that real life footage, the actual scenarios unfold and then start picking up on, on the cues, pick up on the indicators. That way when I see, uh, you know, if it walks, talks, quacks like a duck, yep. it's probably a duck. Um, you know, and I can learn from that by having those in the back of your mind, um, having wrestled with those things, having seen myself go through them uh, in a training environment that helps me. Uh, just like, you know, you listen to, you listen to fighters and they, they see themselves fighting their opposition and they put themselves in, if, if I get caught up against the cage, I'm going to do this. If I get caught here, I'm going to do that. If I got caught in this position, they, they actually work through visualizing themselves doing it. I mean, talk to professional, I mean, Pro lifters, right. how many of them envision themselves actually lifting the it? The best ones right? do. Yep. I saw myself lifting it before I lifted it, mm-hmm. right? Like winners focus on winning and how they're going to win. They don't see themselves losing. They see themselves winning. And that visualization, I think, is important. Uh, look at pro shooters. You know, we watch them step up to a stage and they go through the stage in their mind. Like, they're seeing themselves actually do it. They're seeing themselves, right? They're visualizing it actually happen. And that's any pro, like any professional, like pro drivers. Yep. They, they see themselves making their runs, you know, like, so I think that's important. Um, and it's no different than any of those other things. Uh, yeah. 
there's a, there's a lot there, man. It, it's circling back to the mindset and thinking through things and being in a position like if you're carrying a tool, civilian or police officer, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever you're. Either way. Yeah, whatever situation you're coming into it in. There's the going through the thought processes of am I prepared to do this? Have I done the things that I need to do in terms of setting my mind right to be in a position to deal with the the options? Like what happens? Okay, so I think I would pull my gun, but what if I can't get to my gun? What happens next? And how do I, if I know deadly force is going to need to be used and I'm, I can't get to my weapon, my weapon gets involved in a fight or somebody else has brought another weapon. Do I have options there or do I only focus on that one option? Yeah. All the things to think about there. I just like, we were talking about body worn, you know, camera footage and talk about the range and going out and shooting and practicing there. And we talk about like the jujitsu mat and going and doing your jujitsu there. And there's people try to relate what they do on the range to what happened in the body worn camera right? Or what happened in the arrest that went bad, you know, the altercation or the, you know, this entanglements that happened between a suspect and an officer to what happens in jujitsu. And they're, they're taking like, this is the move that would have solved that problem. Right. What are your thoughts on that, man? I mean, I think there's so like when we, especially if like on the martial arts side, when we see like this more, I think it makes sense on the cop side of the house with the martial arts stuff. Like we see, like we, we're supposed to be handcuffing people. Right? You have like to we, go to the fight. We, we have to get, like, number one, we have to be there, right? Like that, the job is to go to it. Like we don't have, like we can't retreat, right? Like um, we've got to be there, number one. So we're, we're, our job is to be, you know, to thrust ourselves into these situations, right? Like the job is to, to, to do for others what they can't do for themselves. So I think from like going hands-on with dudes, like I think there's, yeah, we should like, if we see this, like, so for instance, like with blade stuff, you see certain feeds, right? Like you see angles of attack, specific types of weapons, use specific types of ways, like mm-hmm. call that a clue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's ways to mitigate that exactly, like very specifically. However, I think it's important to understand things, again, at an overarching principles-based level, Mm -hmm. right? Like these are the overarching principles. And then when you understand it at this level, we can always modify and adapt, um, you know, improvise specific things to accomplish those overarching when we look at something very specifically. So if if dudes understand it at a uh, broad level, if they understand it at that overarching level, um, hey, like you don't want to be on your back in a fight. Okay, good. Like, that's something I need to know. Principally speaking, you just don't want to be there. Just don't be there. Now, here's the specific technique, the tactic, or the procedure for not being there. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, I think those things need to be isolated and trained. But again, it always needs to be reinforced at a principle level. Um, I think if we we start rebuilding scenarios only and Mm -hmm. it gets overdone, we fall into the pitfalls of training just for that one thing. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes like this Rolodex... uh, yeah. We, we, we have to have like this Rolodex of like, oh, uh, where's that, this. that one? Okay, cool. Yeah. This one is for here. Mm-hmm. That does not do well uh, when you start talking about like the decision-making process that goes in, into tactics, right? Like tactics is just problem solving based on having already uh, owned those foundational skills and then being able to compound them. You know, like we talked about before, like the fight, so to say, right? Like uh, two, two opponents going into the, the cage, so to say, they're going to fight right? Like 
at a foundational level, they already need to own the technical skills. Like they don't need to be thinking about how to throw a punch and, uh, you know. Oh, that should be happening like, in the background. That hundred yeah. percent. That yeah. is like, yeah, that's water boiling on the stove, right? That That's just, that happens all by itself. That is owned at a degree of subconscious competency. Mm-hmm. They don't have to think about like, it just, like Bruce Lee said, it's it automatic. hits all by itself. It's right? automatic. Yeah. And uh, when that happens, now their bandwidth, the cognitive bandwidth can be dedicated to problem solving way, right here, right now. Way more bandwidth. Yeah. Far more. Otherwise, they're just, they're, and that's what we see in a lot of instances where, and that's what, it kind of comes back to the whole this discussion on violence thing, right? Like if you, if you're trying to problem solve or work through and wrestle with understanding what violence is and what it isn't and, and what it entails, if you're trying to, if you're learning that firsthand on game day, when every 10th of a second counts, your cognitive bandwidth is completely taken up with all this other unnecessary stuff that should have been laid at a foundational level. Like the foundation of all your tactics and your techniques and blah, blah, blah. All that should have been built on this first and foremost, understanding that. Once we understand that, now we start building these skills, right? These skills so that you can simply, and just focus on just the skills. Just be able to do this well. Be able to throw punches well. Be able to throw kicks well. Be able to intercept this. Be able to slip that and parry that and, you know, and reverse this and, and whatnot. Um... Once you own those, then it's like, then decision-making becomes, oh, this is, this is just what makes sense here as we start compounding them and putting them together. And that translates from martial arts all the way over to, you know, the law enforcement side or the, the two-way side, whatever you want to call it. If you're, if you're using tools, it directly applies, you know, because now you're not trying to think about how to use the actual, you know, how, you, how to actually perform the technique. It's like riding a bike and, Like anything know, else. Taking in the scenery. Imagine versus- trying to figure out how to ride a bike and race on the same, like day one, I'm trying to race and ride a bike. Like I've never, I, I'm trying, I'm learning how to balance this thing. I'm learning where the brakes are. I'm learning like pedals, what they do, what they don't do. I'm trying to figure all that out and win a race at the same time at speed. Yeah. You got to crash a few times too, by the way, like yeah. to, to learn how not to do that. What does that look like? Yeah. How, how do I not crash? Or, and more importantly, if I do crash, how do I do it and not get hurt? You know, what are the things I can foresee coming into it? That's a really good analogy, but and I think everybody can relate to it. It'd be the same as driving, like anything to else, drive a car, race a car at the same time. Like this is ridiculous. Like, or would you show up to a driving test without having driven the car before? There has to be a, a systematic and progressive approach, right? Um, with end goals in mind. And then like, Hey, here's the end goal. The end goal is this, right? Like this is the destination. This is where I want to be. Whatever skill, whatever it is I want to be, whatever the role is, here's the skill like that, and that's all, here's a list of all the skills that go into that. I want to be physically fit. Mm-hmm. What is physical fitness? Yeah. All right. Let's write down these, you know, 10 components, if mm-hmm. you will, these 10 skills, right? Let's lay them all out. All right, cool. If my fitness is based on how well I do at each of these, not just necessarily one, I need balance number one, but now I need a systematic, progressive program approach to being able to fulfill this, right? Like, and I've got to be obsessed with the actual journey. Yeah. Cause if all I ever think about is, is the, the destination, you know, that, that's a problem. It's cloudy. It gets cloudy and it gets muddy real yeah. fast. You'll lose your way. You're, you lose your way and you have nothing to come back to. And then you really don't appreciate, right? Like you lose the appreciation for the process to get there. Yeah. You've talked about that, right? So from the self-defense perspective, um, and offense perspective, uh, working through your career and kind of into, you know, the, the high level stuff. And now we're talking about there's philosophy involved here, but there's also there's systems, mm-hmm. philosophy, there's a um, 
greater level of understanding that I think people have to have around that. And that is the stuff that people want to skip over. Yeah. Like they want to go straight to the high speed fancy shit. Yeah. Right. Like let's go out to the range and let's burn down, you know, these drills or let's get out to the USPSA match and try to shoot grandmaster when we haven't really spent any time with the fundamental things like rip <laughs> trigger press, yeah. you know, sight picture things like that. It just, it's a weird, I mean, we talked about social media. I don't want to talk about social media too much, but it's just like, you see, that's where our, that's why the genre kind of lives. Yeah. So when we look at it from the self-defense perspective, uh, and I'm using self-defense here in quotes for those people that are watching, right? Like as you've defined it very differently, um, that you, you have to understand what that means. Like, what is that? It, I won't repeat what you said, but the, the, the bottom line there is, is people are latching onto things that they think helps them get to the point that you're at and they want it right now. Like they want it, they want it, they want instant gratification there. Yeah. And then they want to be an authority on it very, very quick. They're trying to do black belt shit before they're done being a white belt. You know? Right. And, it, and, it, and it's gotten, it's gotten weird. And so there's factions and people are going certain directions and people are making money on it, you know, on, on, on coaching or teaching things, techniques, whether that's in the firearms, whether that's in, you know, martial arts, whether that's in home security, vehicle defense, any, all of the things that go into uh good buddy, Joe Dawson uses pie charts. I love fucking pie charts. Cause like I can see that. And I get like, you were just going like your 10, your 10 domains of fitness, right? Yeah. We could divide that into a pie chart and you could look at it and like, where do you go for each one of these things? How much of my percentage of my training time or my efforts or my um, my finance or whatever goes into learning these things. How does it impact the whole, all of that kind of stuff? So yeah, you're making a list and you're going through this. People aren't doing that. They're, they're trying to take it all in and they're trying to go to one person for it, but there's money to be made, right? Yeah. And there's people that are doing that. And I wonder as, you, as you're looking out there and you're looking across now that we've had this very in-depth talk, you know, about the hierarchy of things and how you maybe put your mindset around quote unquote self-defense whether it involves a firearm or martial arts or anything else, the soft skills. What drives you crazy when you look out there? Again, and, and you, you're really controlled and like you're doing a really good job of, of, of delivering this information. But I look at it and there are things that drive me nuts when I look at it. But I'm also coming at it from a much different perspective than you. I wonder how you look at it and go, oh God, why are we doing this? It's tough, man. Like I try to not have an emotional attachment to, but I'm not wired that way, right? Like I, I'm an all in dude. Like I've always yep. been that dude and it, it's helped me be very successful in certain ways. It's also been my demise. Yeah. It's a little and, bit and, of a character right? flaw sometimes, right? Yep. Demise in other ways. Um, I, I just, so for me, what happens is like, and it's not, the, I don't like the idea of the ignorant being you know, preyed upon. Um, and it, it it's frustrating, right? Like it's frustrating when I, I just care about people, right? Like I, you know, <laughs> I don't know, love God, love people, kind of the sum of the Bible, if you will. Um, like I became a cop because I wanted to fight bad guys because I don't like the idea of bad guys terrorizing neighborhoods. Like I don't like the idea of bad guys doing bad things to good people, so to say. And I wanted to do something about that, right? Um, Every victim, you know, in my 17 year career, I was able to buy back sick time. So the, the contract that I had at the department that I was at, you basically, if you didn't book off sick, you can accumulate your unused sick time and mm -hmm. you can, you know, toward the latter part of your career, as long as you've done at least 15 years, 
you can cash that back in. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, over the course of my career, over the course of my, you know, professional career as a law enforcement officer, over the course of my life as just a dude, uh, like every victim I've ever met always outsourced their ability to defend themselves and others. Right. Like the victims, they outsourced their self-defense, right? They weren't self-reliant in their ability to defend themselves or others, right? So like now, when every 10th of a second count, let alone seconds, like they've got to call 911 and now cops are minutes away, which that's a lifetime, dude. Um, And what frustrates me is like there's in the industry, like I'm I'm trying to bring a degree of awareness and uh, a practical approach to self-defense. And again, like the violence thing is, I guess what most people gravitate toward when they hear that. It's probably what I talk about most because that's what I can relate to most just on what I've been exposed to. It's very real. Um, It's frustrating to see, you know, stuff sold to people that don't, um, don't know better and they, they just gobble it up. You know, they, they go after it. Right. Um, And and they're spending an an absorbent amount of time and money and, I mean, goodness, time more so than anything else, right? Because like, you can always make more money. You can't always make more time. You can't make more time. Like it, it's finite. Um, and you see people just like, they jump head into it, man. Like, I, you know, bad information is, is that's that for what we're talking about, right? Bad information, yeah. get people killed. Um, bad information just gets people killed. And what happens is in the world of social media, everyone's an expert, mm. right? Like it's, it's really like, there's no, like what qualifications do you Zero need to be an of Instagram entry. instructor? Right? Zero like barrier of entry. You don't, you don't have to have, there's no, there's no testing. There's no qualifications. There's no, uh, there's no board that sits above and says like, yay or nay. And there's pluses like, and minuses to that too. You know, but yeah. No, without a doubt. Yeah. But I mean, there's no like, so like if, if, if the community itself doesn't police it, police itself, then you run into those issues. Now how that's done is, you know, that like on an individual basis, we seeing it done. We see it done different ways. Um, a side of me is like certain things need to be called out, and on the other side of me is like, am I like? Mm, I think there's ways of doing it, right? Like there's ways. I I think the best way to call dudes out is by just preaching the the truth. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have to expose your lie by calling you out by name. And specifically seeing you post a video and go back and then post another video trolling it kind of thing. Like I'm not, that's not my thing necessarily or not necessarily. It's just not my thing. But I think the way you, you counter that without losing face um, and, and appearing to be, you know, uh, bitter or resentful or, you know, I don't have as big a following as them. So I'm going to post this and try to take some, you know I mean? Take their following kind of thing. Like I think we that, call that being toxic, David. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it's like, for me, it's like, I, my approach is I'm just going to, I'm going to preach the truth. Yeah. And when the people that actually have invested time and money and energy into me, like, like people on social media, they haven't like, if all, if the relationship you and I have is only ever over social media with you sending me direct messages because you want free information, cool. Then that's what the relationship is mm-hmm. because you choose for it to be that. Um, now, if I have a different relationship with somebody, maybe it makes sense at that point to be like, ah, this is what I believe this is what I think right looked like. And here's why, you know, like I, and you don't have to bash anybody. We don't have to agree. I don't have to to call out another company. I don't have to call out another brand. I don't have to call up another style or technique. I can just say, this is what I think right looks like. And this is why I think it looks right. 
Um, and here's my, my, here's my logic and here's my reason behind that. And I think if we just do that, and a lot of guys are doing that, that's the way I like to see it done. That's the way I prefer to do it. Just bring the truth, shed light, right? Shed the, the right light on the subject. And people, if they're thinking logically and reasonably, will be able to differentiate what's right and from what's wrong. The people that won't are, are fools. And, you know, for fools, you just, you don't answer fools according to their foolishness. I love the last part. Oh, I that's think the, Proverbs. Yeah. The, the, uh, the challenge is to be patient, I think, and um, committed to that process when you you get very frustrated or you look at it and you go, this is so dumb. And then you let that emotion creep in and then you end up saying things or, you know, doing things where people will perceive you as a certain way or you're just bitter or now you're being a know-it-all or whatever else. And so I, I think I, I agree with you a thousand percent. I've, I've mentioned this before in the show. So people to listen, sorry if this sounds like I'm, I'm being i uh, I'm just repeating myself, but I watched this happen in the fitness industry, particularly through social media over like a 15 year period where it started out very much like maybe this, this industry started out where there's a lot of this, a lot of self-proclaimed experts, um, new people coming on the scene, a lot of flashy video, flashy posts, you know, things like that, products and programs and stuff. And a lot of people made a lot of money and a lot of people spent a lot of money for those people to make a lot of money. And what ended up happening over, over time was the people that were in it just to make money or were giving bad information, uh, they ended up being exposed one way or another. And the two things happened. One, I think the community in and of itself started to police itself a little bit more. People started getting called out or, and it wasn't necessarily, it was much like you said, I was like, I don't even have to talk about that guy. I'm not even going to give oxygen to what that guy's putting out there. What I'm going to do is provide the information that, that not in a, not in a, not in a, a, a way to make him look bad or prove that he's wrong. Just say the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing. Just speak the truth. That's it. And, and it did over time, you started to see this. Now you're always going to have the fools and the foolish, mm-hmm. right? You're always going to have that. Um, that's just the way it is. That's the world that we, we live in. Uh, but you, we started to see it kind of police itself and it's gotten much, much better to where the, the quote unquote cream rises to the top, just, yeah. you know, sort of thing. And you always have some people jumping in there and trying to rock the boat or whatever else, which I think is healthy. I think it keeps people on their toes and it also, it spurs like, uh, innovation or way, you know, particularly in this industry, like some piece of equipment comes out and people go, that looks weird. I don't know about that, but yeah. somehow something good comes out of it. Uh, I think you can, you can take that. And I see that happening. Um, and I, and I believe there's a, there's a group of people. When I say a group, they're not necessarily interconnected. There just is, there is a certain type of person, much like yourself in the industry that is doing a really good job with this, uh, in the way that you said. Appreciate it. Yeah. The, the challenge comes in is for the consumer, right? Because as in the consumer or the person that is looking to get better, who maybe doesn't understand, they're not trying to be foolish. They're trying to be the opposite of that. Like, mm-hmm. where do I, you know, how do I trust this? Where do I get this? That's the hard part. I think that where the patience piece comes in for those people that are trying to rise up because you, a lot more people are going to have to wind up being tested and look foolish and make the $600, $800, $900 training seminar mistake, you know, a couple of times maybe even before they recognize like, whoa, like yeah. I've fallen victim to some extent. I can't live like that. Right. But I, I chose this. So it's, it's on me. But at the same time, they're going to have to go through that for a lot longer. Is there any advice that you can give those people now, right? That 
if they were listening to this for the first time, the first podcast they ever heard, right? As they're trying to maybe figure out, like, is this the right space for me to be in? Like, I'm kind of gun curious or yeah. want to explore how to take care of myself better. What advice would you give them knowing that their, their conscious incompetence is very high, very high and they recognize that right now versus the unconscious incompetence where they don't know what they don't know? Yeah. Or maybe it, maybe it spreads both. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, one of the things I always start my classes with is I tell people, um, intent is always prior to content, not devoid of context, right? And what I mean by that, it's not this, this deep philosophical thing. It's really not. It's just when I learned how to write police reports, I learned I got to write like what I got dispatched to, right? When and where. Who was involved? What happened? How it happened? Potentially why it happened, right? Like who, what, when, where, why, how? Um, and those are like universals. So when I say intent is prior to content, I tell people like when you see content, content is generally like the what I'm advocating for or against and then how mm-hmm. I'm advocating for it or against it, right? The what and the how. Ask yourself why. Mm-hmm. Like what's the why behind the person that made you know, said content, what's the intent behind it? That intent is the why. And it could be more than just one why. It could be several, right? Um, it could be like, hey, the the primary, secondary, tertiary intents, right? But intent is always part of content. The content, the what and the how, and the why is the intent. The next thing that matters is, is context, right? Who does this apply to? When does it apply to them? And then where does this apply? Because if I, right, start speaking broadly as opposed to specifically, when we start talking about specifics, there's certain things that may not apply to you that apply to me mm-hmm. or vice versa, uh, depending on who I am. It's a concept of individuality. Right? Yeah. Where I, wh- who am I? What am I doing? Where am I doing it? And when am I doing it? Like whether it's environmentals, time of day, is it dark? Is it light? Like all those little things. This is why, so for me, I I try to, like when I advocate for a thing, I look at it from that perspective. When I make content, I try to be upfront, first and foremost, with here's the content, here's the why behind that, why why I'm showing you this, why I'm making this, why I'm doing this, why I'm having you drill this or whatever, why I'm exposing you to this. And then here's where this applies so that you know where it doesn't, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think guys that are doing things uh, with honest intention will put that out there. What we start seeing is like the weirdness of just flashy content yep. with no context, with the intent of spiking interest, which again, that's marketing, right? Like, sure, I get it. There's a time and place for this, I yeah, think. Yep. Yeah, um, So I just caution people when you're watching something, uh, when you hear a resume, like ask yourself, contextually, does this apply to you? But now, if it doesn't apply to you and you just want to go LARP, <laughs> then rock on. It, it, yeah. This is America. It's America. LARP, right? Like America. Do, do whatever you want. Uh, go do it, man. Like, because yeah. you can't do this in China. So, mm-hmm. so go do it. Just don't confuse mm-hmm. what you're doing and why you're doing it. That's all. Like, I mean, and if you do, you do, I mean, that's on you. But I try to caution, right? Like, if it was my brother, sister, son saying, hey, I want to go learn this thing or I want to go train with this based on seeing this, I think it just makes sense before you start spending, again, your time um, and, and your money, your energy, your resources to go do this. Unless you just, unless it doesn't matter. If that's not a factor, then just do your thing. Like, I, I don't care. Like, you don't run a race. Like, I'm running a race. And, and that race, 
there's no finish line, <laughs> right? Like when, when you're just, like there, there's no, there's no finish line. There's no top of the mountain. There's no top of the ladder. It's just incremental improvement until I'm in the ground. That's it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like just, that's it. That, that's all there is. Um, anything else is, is really superficial. Cause that at any point in time, like that doesn't become the reality. You just become stagnant once mm-hmm. you get to wherever it is you're trying to go. Disillusioned. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's like, I think they need to look at it from that perspective and say, what's the intent here? You know, why does this apply to me? It doesn't really apply, but it's cool. And I want to learn it and find later. Just don't confuse that mm-hmm. for something that it's not, you know, don't confuse that for something that's not. I just great advice, man. Um, that was, I don't know what answer I thought I was going to get, but that's exactly what I wanted. Uh, <laughs> I hope that's helpful for people. I hope Be- so. Because I think it's a good time to kind of transition to kind of what you are doing with your business and how you're, how you're doing those very things, um, making it, you know, the intent and the context for the individuals that may be coming to, coming to see you. But I think, you know, as for people that are out there that are instructors or content creators, they should feel a responsibility to this, yeah. to, to what you just said. Uh, it's not their responsibility on the other end and how that person perceives whatever it is that they're doing. But if they really did take that approach to it, and I said something there with regard to, Hey, sometimes, um, you know, sometimes there's a time and place for a, for a blooper reel or, you know, like a flashy thing or whatever, like just to show the human side of that you're, you know, if that's you, right. If that's you and that's like, you want people to know that about you or you feel that's a big part of you or people have, you know, that's part of your, 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 your personality and your business and whatever else. And great, put that stuff out there. But like you said, don't confuse it for something that it's not. Like, yeah. I think some, it gives people sometimes a, or a, like a, some whoever's putting out an opportunity to be humble yeah. You know, sometimes and just kind of make fun of themselves, poke fun of themselves, but also give a little insight to who they are, which is why I really wanted to have you in here today to kind of get some, give some insight to who you are and where you're coming from as we branch into this, you know, what's going on with the business and how you're, how you're delivering the business. Because I see, I, there's, there's a handful of people out that are doing things very similar to you. And I like to, I, I look at them in a couple of different ways. So this is my take. Mm-hmm. Right? This is my take. They're, they are... Uh, they're working, they want to work with a very specific group of individuals, not that they're exclusive, mm-hmm. right? But there's a ter- certain type of individual they want to work with. And I'm not saying cops or military or, you know, some other government agency or just civilians or just women or just men or whatever, but there's, there's something that they have in mind, right? As a, as a business owner and who they're trying to deliver their content and their information to. I also see them doing it in a way where it's very controlled in how they put it out there. Uh, there's it, very little flash to any of it. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, they're not talking about resumes and backgrounds. They're, I think what they're do, trying to do is connect with people in a way that resonates with what you just said, which is, I'm going to give you some very specific information here. And maybe that resonates with you and maybe it doesn't. And if it doesn't, cool. I'm totally fine with that, mm-hmm. right? If it doesn't resonate with you. But if it does, cool, I'm going to give you other stuff that maybe will continue to resonate with you. And if that happens long enough, maybe you'll come to the trough, mm. right, to drink. So there's some some water there. You're providing some content. But you're also not trying to teach them what it is that you're teaching them in a class, mm. right, or in a, in a particular session. Again, I think you can give snippets or tips. You have to to provide context for whatever it is that you might be talking about in a post or in a video or whatever, whatever the heck it is that you're doing that's a live or something like that. But it's not like I have to put this flashy video on. I have to provide all of this 
information, like this instructional information in order to get somebody to sign up for my class or, or, or pay me for my business. They're, you're just giving people a taste of things. And it's what that creates is like a slow growth process. Mm-hmm. Right? And being very patient about that. And it's not just you. There's, there's several of you out there that I see doing that. I can relate to that because that's how I did it with my own business. Like I saw people doing things that got them lots of likes, follows, you know, whatever else, um, Instagram notoriety, YouTube notoriety or whatever. And admittedly, I was a little ignorant to it because I didn't care about any of that. Like I was a grassroots type of dude. I was a guerrilla marketing. I was out talking to my neighbors and, you know, asking for referrals and, you know, trying to get people results so that they would talk about it. And occasionally say, Hey, you know, is there anybody out there that you would, you know, that, that might be interested in getting the same kind of results that you Right. Well, you're getting because yeah. that's what I do, that kind of stuff versus trying to put it anywhere else. And it meant a very slow growth. But what that meant for me was, is like the people that I did have, like my attrition level was very, very low, mm-hmm. right? Because people trusted what I was doing and they, they, they saw it happen organically. And that's what they wanted for them. They recognized at some point, that's what I was asking about. What advice would you give the newbie coming into this? They recognized at some point, like that, that is the way. Yeah. There is no way to get all of this all at one time. And I recognize there are different people in different spaces that can provide some very, very specific things to me um, on the pie chart of, you know, going back to Joe's pie chart, the pie chart of, of domains, right? Right. Whether that's combatives, whether that's carbines, pistols, home defense, whatever, whatever, however we put it together. And I see you doing that. Um, I see being very patient about it. Sometimes I feel like, I'm just going to be honest, I feel like you may be holding back a little bit. Like there's more you maybe want to do, but you're not sure to do it. Can you, yeah. can you talk to that a little bit? Oh, that was a lot of stuff for no. me. Sorry for no, people that are listening. It's good. I want to hear you say it. I just trying to find a way to kind of articulate it. Cause I guess that's what I'm saying. It's like, I feel like you, there's more for you to give and there may be, you may be struggling a little bit to give it. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No. Yeah. So, uh, like when I, when I started the company, um, that was kind of out of necessity, if you will. But um, obviously, you know, the whole cop thing, there's a bunch of other aspects that I worked uh, as far as capacity wise that, again, just added to the scope of my exposure as a whole. Um, obviously did the UC thing, did some other stuff um, and all of it all together. Like it, it's it's all of those things as well as my own personal life experience that gave me this exposure and with the company side, it's like, hey, man, like, I do believe in, like, if we look back at the country, like, <laughs> a long time ago, from now, or at least what it feels like, we, we were a nation of, like, producers, mm-hmm. um, far more self-reliant than we are now. Um, like I said, all, every victim I, I the, the singular commonality amongst every victim I, I met was that they had outsourced the ability to protect protect themselves and others. They'd relied on something else or somebody else. Yeah. They weren't self-reliant in their ability to defend themselves. And um, it's like, all right, how can I, like the lessons that I've learned, the things that I've been exposed to, um, I've had some some success. I've also had some failure. How can I take the, the, the sum of both of those things, my exposure, and give that to the next person so that they don't have to make the same mistakes mm-hmm. um, so that they can learn faster. I think any good guide is... Uh, goal-oriented uh, in trying to speed up the learning process as much as practical, right? Like there's going to be a process. There's no circumventing that until Elon Musk can put a, a chip in your brain, right? Um, right. Or make a pill. 
So it's one of those things where like my goal and what I, what I, what I find intrinsic worth in is, is making people, um, more self-reliant in that, um, and trying to shorten the learning curve, like, right. Uh, cut the fat, right. Separate the bone, the sinew, and like, just give them the straight up meat. Mm -hmm. Like, here's what you need based on time. Right. Like, I don't have 50 years to only study one martial art to become the master in that one thing. And even if I did, how much of that is relevant to what I need, right? What I want to do and what I need to do don't always align. And what does that take away from the other things that you also need to do and and want to do? Yeah. Time is limited. Like if I need, you you look at cops, right? Like cops, you think about what they're asked to do, man. Like Mm -hmm. goodness gracious, like come game day, (laughs) depending on how that unfolds. I've got to drive like Mario Andretti. Right. I've got to be as articulate as an English grammar major. I've got to know the law better than the attorneys and the DAs. I've got to uh, be a grandmaster USPSA shooter. Right. But before it gets there, I've got to be a track star and be able to fight like Conor McGregor. Right. And that's in one shift. So, I mean, like, like what the public generally expects you to be. Right. And then on top of that, I also have to be the pastor or the, the, the priest, the marriage the, counselor, the, the, yeah, the marriage counselor. I have to be the social work. Like I have to be able to do all these things. And I don't think people really like understand like the amount of like how, like you've got to be good at many different things and specializing in just one thing isn't going to make you well-rounded enough to be that efficient in general police work, mm-hmm. let alone being able to plug into different roles and whatnot. Um, so it's like when I look at it, I look at it from that perspective, I say, okay, what's practical for the civilian, right? Like there's certain things that are, you know, relevant to cops that aren't necessarily relevant to civilians, but what can, from my personal experience, like doing a lot of the stuff that I had to do, like involve me being in a very small group or just by myself. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, like I don't have the ability to rely on all these other things, right? Like um, I just, for instance, I just lost a class and I wrestled with this for a while. Talked with a lot of buddies Cause I'm like, I don't think this makes sense. Like, I'm just not doing this. The whole, you know, air quotes here, CQB thing. Mm-hmm. Like, where does that apply on the civilian side? Because what I understand it based on the guys that I was taught it by, uh, it, I don't see the civilian application for it outside of, you know, <laughs> like a foreign country invading right. our, you know, outside of that, I don't see it unless you're just doing criminal behavior. Right. Um, I, I mean, I did it for a while with this, like, when I was at a, I was at a fugitive task force for a good four years. I mean, all we did was home invasions, home invasions, carjackings, kidnappings. Like we literally got paid to do those things. Small group of dudes, and that's all we did. Cross names off a list, working down a list of like violent criminals that were actively eluding law enforcement apprehension. Work our name down the list, traveling all over to do it. And it's like guys, you know, on the civilian side, guys are like, hey, I want to learn CQB. And it's like, for what? What's the intent behind it? And it's like, oh, I want to defend my house in case somebody comes in. It's like, okay, let's talk about all these other things that can prevent you having mm-hmm. to learn this thing because you, you just, you're, there's a degree of ignorance, right. In, in what it is and what it entails. Um, and I mean, you're not going to stack up and squeeze up. <laughs> no, with, with, you know, not in that situation. It's, 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 like contextually, let me try to apply a degree of context for you mm-hmm. to help give you a better understanding of what you're actually wanting to learn. What you actually want to learn is how to defend your house. You want to learn how to move through a structure while armed, yes. making sure that you're safe. Yes. First and foremost to yourself, you're not a liability, you're more of an asset. And then on top of that, you want to know like, Hey, if something happens in the house, like what are the angles of attack that I need to understand? How do I move 
right? Uh, and then they they also want to know the tactics. Like, hey, if that happens, like, what are some good principles that I should understand to be able to, you know, tactically, so to, you know, air quotes there, work my way through this? That's a very different class, you know. So, um, I've finally written a curriculum that I think applies to both home defense and active shooter in one, you know, class, so to say. But I'm I'm trying to uh, emphasize the focus on principles mm. that apply contextually. Um, and when dudes realize like, it's just you, well, that, that looks very different, right? That looks very different than you and 11 other dudes in kit right. with all the tech that, that would be available to those dudes doing those things. So, um, I just want to make, I, I want to provide the proper context so that they're not wasting their time. Now, again, if you want to LARP, like go, like I'm not hating and I, I almost feel like that term LARP is you know, derogatory nowadays, but uh, dude, that's, if, that's up to the individual. Yeah, they want to if you it. want to do it, then go do it. Like, I don't care if you want to go play war games and you want to have all the kit, like dude, do it. I, it's I, like I, you said, let's just it, call it what it yeah, is. I don't yeah. care. It doesn't bother me. Like go Got do it. it. Just don't confuse, you know, I, I, I personally would rather see you do things that like spend your time and energy on things that are actually going to be applicable. Like what's actually going to protect you and your family. You know, like you can be, you're stronger when it's you and 11 other dudes. Oh, I'm, look, um, man, I'm the, I'm the same. Know? Like, Hey, all that money and time you're spending doing that. Go to the gym, dude. Yeah. How about you work out? Right. Like, how about you, uh, how about like when we look at like, you know, and then you start, you, that, that drives right into the capability role. Like guys, like I want to be more capable or, you know, what capability is. And it's like the way I look at capability is not just like how violent you are or how, you know, how good you are at, uh you know, a specific thing, like how good, like as a man, how good are you? Like, how good of a husband are you? How good of a father are you? How good of a brother are you? How good of a son are you? How good of a neighbor are you? How good of a citizen are you? Right? Like, can you do all those things? Well, like, what does that look like spiritually, emotionally, physically, uh, mentally, spiritually, right? Like financially, right? There's, there's, there's a lot to balance and it, it becomes easy to, Emphasize all your focus in one direction. Yeah, over and overcompensate. Right? I'm I'm only gonna I I just wanna I wanna be a power lifter. That's all I'm gonna do. Like if that's what you want to do, then then do that. But understand you're like you dedicating everything to that is going to make you weaker in these other mm-hmm. things. So I think it's on an individual basis. You need to ask yourself, like, what do I want? Cool. Identify that. Great. What do you need? And then find the balance, find mm-hmm. the happy medium between those two things. Um and that's kind of the perspective I try to bring to uh, the people that I have influence, so to say, over mm-hmm. through, you know, through my business, right? Like I want to build something that is organic. I want to build something that has significance and worth. Um, because I mean, I don't know. I feel like I, I became a cop because I wanted to help people, right? Like I, they were incapable of you know, protecting themselves. So I did everything I can to make myself as capable as I possibly could with the time, the energy resources availability available to me at the time. And even still now, right. Still, still pursuing that. I said, it'll never stop. Um, but it's like, there's not enough, right. Like everywhere to do that for everyone. No, nor like, it's really not helping anybody. Like I look at it now that I have, maybe it's because I'm a father now. It's like, okay, yeah. Can I protect my kid? I'd say yes. I'm confident in that. Um, can I get better? hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And I will. But how long does that last for? Yep. Like if I really care about them, 
I'm going to make him self-reliant. He, he needs to be able to do that for himself. Yes. I need to get him to a point where he doesn't you know, rely on me to defend him. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, again, and that goes back to the whole, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically, it's spiritually, all the financially, physically, all those things. All of those things. Everything. Like, how do I, like, you know, now taking that model, what I'm trying to do with my little guy. I mean, it doesn't apply. Like if I care about you as a citizen, if I, as I care about you as a neighbor, like why would, you know, why would I not do the same for you? Obviously <laughs> I'm doing it for my son. Um, like, but from a business perspective, like I've always been the dude. It's like, Hey, if you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life. You'll still work. But right. Like that's not necessarily true, but I get what we're trying to say when we say that. Um, I love helping people in that regard. I love talking about these things. If I can shorten the learning curve, if I can make you more capable, if I can pass on lessons that have been passed down to me by some phenomenal teachers, I'm going to pay homage and I'm going to do the same thing. And uh, I'm going to make sure that the legacy continues. So I like, again, if I have this information and it dies with me, where does it go? Yeah. You know, versus like, Hey, those guys entrusted that information to me. Mm -hmm. And now I want to take that information. I want to pass it down to the next. And then, Hopefully, in, in perpetuity, it'll continue, you know? Um, but that's the goal with the business, to make people, you know, to just make good Americans better prepared to defend themselves and their families and make them more self-reliant in their ability to defend themselves and others in every aspect of something that can harm them. And that that's everything from financial to emotional, spiritual, physical, um, you know, all those things. Yeah, you start to build that confidence in just little ways, man. The momentum can really pick up. And if you're that person that doesn't do a good job of taking your taking care of yourself, say emotionally, you know, you focus on the physical piece that can really impact how you start taking care of yourself emotionally and vice versa. And yeah. same with like, you know, defending, defending your family, but also being financially solvent. You know, those are, they're very, inter- they're, yeah. you know, go back to the health piece. It's all interrelated. And, and so it's I balance. Yeah. It sounds like it. I mean, for some people listening is like, dude, all I want to do is shoot. Okay. Well then maybe, maybe David's not your guy. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe he's not. You know, um, you know, or all I want to do is jujitsu and, you know, and I want to rest my laurels on that. And that's what I want to focus on my time. There is do nothing that. wrong with that. You yeah. do that. Right. Yeah. But again, I think there's people out there that are looking for a little bit, something different and want I'm going to, I'm going to put it this way. And this is not to insult people that are consuming content. Cause I'm one of those guys too. I consume a lot of stuff that's on, that's out there. Um, because I enjoy some, some of it's entertaining, some yeah. of it's very impactful, some of it's oh, very yeah. valuable to me, and some of it just keeps me informed about what are all the things that are happening out there to some extent. And again, with context, um, you know, news channels and things like that, I'll just like to hear and see what's, what's, what's the, what's the narrative of the day or the week, or the flavor for that matter. Um, but I think, I think there, there are intelligent people out there that yeah. get what you're saying. Hopefully. And they're not getting, but they're not getting that message from a lot of other people. And it's hard to find the depth of, to which you just explained that in the 30 second Instagram reel or the post or the, the YouTube video, or whatever else. And it's just coming at them all the time. There's so much to choose from. Yeah. Um, and, but I, 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 I personally, that is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the person that is well-rounded and holistic. And I look there everybody guys are at different points of their journey like you, you know, in terms of their business or whatever. Like I'm in a different point of my journey and, you know, the things that I do, like I, I get, there are certain things I've done. I don't want to do those anymore. There are certain things I want to do that I haven't experienced, experienced yet. And there's things that I need to do first in order to do that. Um, so I think there are people that are in their journey that are looking for like eh, a little bit more cerebral approach to this, not just want to show up to the range, get eight hours on the range this day 
and I'm going to learn some new drills, some new skills, and be exposed to some things. It's more of a um, more of a holistic approach that you're what I feel you you putting out there. And I don't think that's a. I think you've even used that term. Maybe not. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but no, it's a holistic good. approach to being ready. Um, and yeah. so you you don't have to get ready some other way, yeah. you know, or, or when it's too late, or when you're in that altercation, and now you're having the violence conversation in your head when you're in the parking lot, you know, after hours or whatever, now you're having to make some decisions and you're way behind the power curve. Going to the business piece and the things you're doing, you just mentioned like you've come up with this, you, you, I think it's awesome. It's part of the journey. It's like, I had this thing, wasn't too sure about this thing. I had to go back. I had to rework it. And I've come up with this new class. What are some of the things you're doing? Like what can people expect from, from you as we're working down the, you're going through your own journey here as the, yeah. through, through the business. I mean, there's some stuff going on in the background. Uh, I've got, um, that I'm working on some products that I think have uh, merit. And again, I was talking to a buddy not too long ago and, you know, just talking about business side of the house, the business side of the house and kind of get, Hey, give me your interpretation of what you see when I do this or that, or uh, just getting, looking for a peer kind of, mm-hmm. Uh, how do, how am I viewed amongst from my peers? Right. So to say, and uh dude was like, your brand is violence. And it's like, Oh, <laughs> that's not, I mean, well, I guess it could be a good thing uh, depending on what your understanding of violence is. A thousand right? percent. This um, goes back to our other conversation. So it's, it, you know, and it's just, I want to, I want to put it in, in proper perspective and have people, you know, everybody that, survive to tell the tale, you know, so to say, always felt that, uh, you know, they felt like something was wrong and they just ignored it kind of thing, you know, Gavin Oh, you Becker. mean like the, vic- yeah. the victim thing? Victims, yeah. yeah. Um, and Gavin DeBecker talks about that deeply in, in, the, in his book, The Gift of Fear. I, mm-hmm. I recommend that everybody reads that. Uh, just like, that's like one of those things you should read in time if, if, if you want to be capable of being able to defend yourself and others. Like, that's an important piece on the, the software side of the house, the soft skills side of the house. But, um, I've got stuff coming down the pipe as far as products that pertain specifically to that, um, to making you more capable. Cool. Right. That's going to make you more efficient, uh, if you need to do that. And if not, then you're prepared to, right? Like it, it's, you know, I look at like, like this, like anything else, it's just, it's an insurance policy. Like hopefully I never have to use it. And if I don't, that's, that's great. Right. Um, but what I don't want to do is find out that I need it and I don't have it. Mm-hmm. And now what, right? Like, what does that look like? Um, so products, uh, are, are, they're in the works. Cool. That's a, that's a problem. That's a, that's a huge that, undertaking. That's a man. huge undertaking. I had no idea, uh, <laughs> the depth that that goes, but I've got that. Hopefully that's coming out this year, if not later on, uh, next, early next year, later this year, um, several products, um, classes wise, like just trying to see what makes sense for open enrollment stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, trying to provide things with a degree of um, context for on a broad scale, right? Like I'm not trying, you know, I don't want to say that. It's difficult, right? Like if, I don't want to say I'm not specializing, but right, like there's, there could be a, there's, there's pros and cons of specializing. When you dive down the rabbit hole of specializing in a thing, mm-hmm. one thing, you do so at the sacrifice of being good at all these other things. Yep. When I look at violent encounters, like what are the things you need to be good at, right? Like if we look at the scope of where violence happens, how it happens, when it happens, who it happens to, 
right? We look at all those things. It's like, all right, cool. What's like the baseline? Like, what are the things that like at a bare minimum? What's I the need, entry point? Yeah, yeah. I, I got to be able to do these things. Yeah. And then once I've balanced those things out, if I have some stuff that I want to dedicate a little more time to, and it's always going to be like the ebb and flow, right? Mm-hmm. The minute I start doing more hypertrophy work, like I'm going to start probably losing stuff on this end, yep. right? And the yep. more I do cardiovascular work, the probably going to lose some on this so end. It makes the world go around. So it's, it's constantly finding that balance and saying like, hey, where I'm at in life, I, maybe this makes more sense to allow it to be this way, Right. Uh, I think the professional has uh, a little more ability to specialize, right? The professional who's doing a specific job that knows like, hey, probability over possibility, I'm like, this is what I do 90% of the time. We can start adjusting the scale so that these don't completely fall off, but so that these things that I'm using Stay on a regular sharp. basis, they, they are as sharp as they can mm-hmm. practically be, right? And on the flip side, like on the Civ side, um, most people have no idea, but they see what the professional is doing. And they want to be the professional. They want to be that guy, right? So now they try to mimic the same exact thing and don't realize they're doing so at a detriment because now in order to to achieve that, right? In order to go to the top of that mountain, you're leaving all this other terrain, right? Like you're leaving everything else. Tunnel vision, yeah. Yeah, so now what happens is you like, come game day, you better pray to God. That's how that goes. Because if it doesn't, you've left all these vulnerabilities, right? Like think about the, the, like, let's go back to the martial arts thing. Think about the fighter. Right? Like he knows he's training for a very specific fight. He knows six months from now he's fighting this guy, and this guy's specialty is this. So he knows he has to up yep. this for him. He knows I gotta I gotta build these weaknesses, right? And I because that's where that fight's gonna that yeah, fight's gonna go there. I don't want to stand up with that guy. No. I want to take that one right to the mat every time. Right. So yeah, and then you may not have control of that. So yeah. you may have to up that specific deficiency. But in order to do that, you're going like you only have so much time and energy, right? So now going back to balancing those scales. Right, like it's almost like the yeah, soundboard over there. When I do this, I lose this, so I got to bring that up. It's like, you know, like supplements, like medicine or whatever. Yep. Um, I take this, and it's like at the sacrifice of may cause. <laughs> so you got to, you know, you got to supplement it with all these yeah. five other uh, five hundred other things. So what happens is civilians. They, you know, what I found is they it becomes this fanboyism, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for lack of better terms. Like, wow, that's really awesome. That guy's really good at that. I want to be just like that guy not realizing that that guy is specializing for a very specific thing because he plays a very specific role at a very specific place at a very specific time, <laughs> you know? Um, so classes wise, I try to orient the classes towards giving them a broad spectrum understanding of this is what you need to know. And here's why, right? Like if we're talking about self-defense as a civilian, like this is what, how, like this is how and why skills wise, like nothing changes. What generally changes is, um, what you're going to build your baseline right. level of competency, right? Right, like what your layout looks like, what this le- looks like, um, and then you know, emphasis and focus on on building both hard and soft skills. Yeah, there's like a compass there. You have to understand what direction you're going at all at all times. Here's the balance, right? Like I take a guy that's like a world class fighter, like he will destroy anyone in front of him, period. Whoever that guy is, but I don't like so hardware wise, like the hard skills wise, I should say hard skills. The dude's a, a phenom. He will crush everyone and everything. But if he if he's gone so deep down the rabbit hole on the hard skill side that the soft skill side is over here, and he doesn't know when he can do it, right? He's gonna be really fast to make a bad decision. He's gonna go too early, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Too soon, like didn't meet the criteria, or he's gonna wait too long. And by then, I mean the the guy he's going against ain't gotta be good. He's just gotta be lucky. Lucky. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think for, again, people that aren't doing this at a professional level, if, if, if like, if your goal is to learn how to use these things or 
do these specific things with the intent of doing it in defense of human life, what does that look like? How do I like, you know, meat and potatoes? Yep. You know, strip the bone, strip the fat. Yeah. Like what is that? Like that broad, that general fitness, what does that look like as opposed to the dude who's training for a specific event? I still, th- I mean, I think for a lot of people are still trying to maybe define what that is because they're discovering things as they go. Yeah. Right. And, but at the same time, you got a lot of people that are being blinded because they're just chasing after one thing, you know, a, and they're, they're sorry, they have tunnel vision and they're not seeing all these other things yet. And hopefully they kind of come out of that tunnel vision for a second and kind of look around. But I think the toughest part is people realizing, coming to the realization there are all these other things that I probably should know. And where does that, where, where does it come in? I think it comes with life experiences or exposure, right? Yeah. To, to the different things you've talked about all your exposure to all these different things. I've had my, my own journey, which, you know, or an exposure, sorry, which influences my journey now to want yeah. to know and talk to people like you about kind of where you're coming from and how you're doing it. Uh, because there's so much to know out there. And I recognize that. Uh, but I, I think a lot of people are still, they're, they're kind of falling into the what's cool, what looks cool and what's popular. And again, what the algorithm is feeding them back versus, you know, as compared to what they're feeding it. Um, if, you know, as people are going, getting into to classes and what, I don't know, you're, you're, you're teaching a lot in Texas. You're doing some traveling this year. You're kind of getting around. Um, people want to know like more about you. I love your Instagram. I think it's great. Uh, it gives me just kind of what I need, you know, at the same time, like it makes me want to know more. This was really kind of, again, what drove this conversation and the previous conversations, the few that we've had, um, there's, so I know there's classes there. There's stuff that they can pick up from. You've already kind of alluded to some products and some things. There's, you've dropped a few little mysterious kind of (laughs) things on the, on the Instagram that I've seen that, that I'm intrigued by. There might be some things, projects coming down, other projects coming up in the, in the future. Where can people get a hold of you? How do you want them to do that? Where do they go? All that stuff. Yeah. I mean, on the social media side, Instagram is what I use for the most part, predominantly. Like that's, if I'm making content, it's generally on that platform. Yep. Uh, how long that lasts, who knows? Yeah, we're all we're all yeah, dealing with that. Yeah, that's literally, they change guidelines. So the entire, you know, anything that's 2A-ish is... It's, you know, it's tough right it's taking, now. It's uh, taking a toll. So um, I still do everything predominantly on there. Uh, I'm going to start, you know, expanding on some of those platforms. But that's really where it's at as far as like okay. on the day-to-day stuff. Uh, obviously, the website has like the course schedule for the year and, and where I'll be and... Um, you know, recommend like gear that I recommend yep. other training companies that I recommend, like, uh, on the, on the recommended page, there's essentially like gear and product, oh, I'm sorry, gear and training, the training that's listed on that page are dudes that I've specifically trained, uh, with and or under mm-hmm. that like, Hey, these guys are, are really good at what they do. And I can personally say like, I've learned from them and you can too. Um, on the product side, those are products that I use. Uh, some of them have discount codes and it says it right there. Mm-hmm. Some of it doesn't. Uh, any products that I promote are products that I've used firsthand. Um, it's not like you're making money on those things. Yeah, no, I, I know how that works. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's it's just like I find that it's it has merit. Yep. Um, you're trying to help people. And that's it. And, you know, they're good dudes first and foremost. Like I, guys that I'm like, yeah, I don't mind being tied to uh, these guys or gals. So um, that's really it. The website is allegiancedefensesolutions.com. And uh, the Instagram page is david.acosta.junior, J-R. 
Yeah, go give go give David a, a follow. I encourage you to check out. Um, go deep into the feed, like go <laughs> go deep into his feed because there's a lot of cool content that that's in there. And I, what I love, what I see when I do see you post, it's it's not just you know a photo and a you know and a hashtag. Yeah, it it goes deep. Like you're providing all the things that you mentioned earlier. It's tough, man. Like with some of the stuff that I put out there, especially on the violence side of the yeah. house, right? Like if you're showing a technique where you're you know, especially like the integrated combative stuff, right? If I go from boxing to kickboxing to trapping to grappling to ground fighting, then to using blades and pistols, like if I do that, like it's, I make sure I take the time to write something yep. to make sure that you understand the context. If you just watch the video, mm-hmm. you will come to some, you know. Weird conclusions. Yeah. yeah. Just, just read what's there. Yeah. <laughs> take the time to read what's there. Otherwise, or don't, uh, you know, or don't. Yeah. And you're going to get that, but that's what I wanted to say about it is like, there's go deep into the feed and, and open it up and, and, and spend some time in there. And then what I find when you do that is you actually get, and I, we talked about not playing in the comments section for too long. I actually do find there's some really intelligent conversation that goes on in the comments section of your posts. I will match dude's effort. If yeah. they put, if they comment on something that's genuine with like, they're actually trying to understand something, mm-hmm. I will take an hour, <laughs> whatever it takes to respond. Um, to make sure that that's matched, right? Like guys that just say dumb stuff, like I'm, I don't even, right. I don't even respond to it. Yeah, I'm like, I, I don't even respond to it. So, yeah. It, it, but I, like I said, I just think there's some people that are posing some questions like why or what. And it, if they took time to read the, the, yeah. basically the content that was in there that accompanied the video or the picture or whatever yeah. it happens to be. It, what they're asking is something specific to that, yes. right? Like, and, and I enjoy that. Yeah. Like, and, and it, you know, it's not a thousand comments deep, so you're not going to get caught right. in the rabbit hole there. There's a few, few cool things in it. And they, they stood out to me They and they stand out to me. And then I see you, you know, interacting with other guys, you know, within the, you know, within the space, you know, mm-hmm. and having intelligent, longer form conversations like this one to get the points across and to provide the context and the intent and, and all of those things. So, you know, if, if again, I'm encouraging people to go out there and, and follow you because I think there's value to be extracted from it and save it and, 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 and share it with your buddies. Like, Hey, check this out because we, we just went back to the, yeah. to the, it's getting harder and harder. I mean, sometimes I have to go searching for my friends on, yeah you know, on, uh, on Instagram now it's not getting any, it's not getting any easier, but, uh, I, man, I, I was trying to get to one of your, your most recent, um, uh, it's Arkansas, I believe you're going to be out there and you're going to be training out there. And I was trying to get there by way of Virginia, which I'm going to be in in a couple of weeks, whenever that is. I could not make it happen, but I'm I'm looking forward to making a trip down to Texas sometime and jumping in. I know you're teaching more frequently there and, uh, and jumping into some stuff down there. But, uh, dude, um, I, it's, it's going to be goodbye for now, but we're going to get to spend some more time together today. I cannot thank you for enough for coming in today, sharing your thoughts, uh, just being you, dude, mm-hmm. being, being honest up front. Um, one thing we did not address is the beard. Great job with that. Don't ever lose that thing. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I'm honored, man. So thanks. Thanks for, uh, thanks for doing what you do. Yeah. Likewise, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate you taking the time to have me out here and hang out and talk. You got it, brother. Thank thanks. you. See ya. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Iron Sights. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review, and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.